The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Welcome to Drive Through episode number 30. This is number 30, right? Mm-hmm. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now let's pull up to window number one for our winner recap. Goodness, goodness me. I'm excited. It's It's been a minute since we've done a drive-thru, right? We got this nice winter break, so this is going to be good. Yes, I like the winter break. <laughs> gives us time to collect our thoughts, you know? Was it a break? Yes. Did you get anything good for Christmas? Nope. Yes. Did you get anything off of our holiday shopping guide? No. What? <laughs> yes. Actually, yes, I did. What'd you get? I got the Rallynetics watch. How do you like it? Now that I've got a band that actually fits my giant arm, I like it a lot. Very cool. I actually got a couple things off the list as well. My wife was paying attention. I got the new Prototipo RSs by Pilotti. They're excellent shoes. I cannot say enough good things about those. And it was kind of an interesting situation. I realized through Don over Groshout, Pilotti was also releasing their new line of coffee. So we had two deliveries coming from the same company almost at the same time. And we were like, not knowing each other at Goddess. I was like, which box is it? You know, this and that, checking the names, all this kind of thing. So we have the Pilates coffee and the shoes and both are excellent, by the way. So I'm super excited about that. So what you're saying is you could have received shoes beforehand and gotten coffee for Christmas. That's very true. And, and vice versa. I don't think she would have been happy with the shoes though. Eh, are they pink? No, they're red and black. So they're pretty yes, neat. Yes, that's nice. Since it's our winter recap, we got to talk about what's hot and what's not in 2023. And this year is going to be an epic year for us here at GTM because we got all sorts of field trips in store, all sorts of really interesting races to go to. And Tanya set the stage by taking us to all places, Sin City. You dig that? We're going to Vegas, Mike. Vegas! You think we get there by midnight? Money, we're going to be up 500 by midnight. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! Actually, you know what? I can't talk about what happened in Las Vegas because... It was Vegas. So there really is nothing to recap here. I think we just move on to the next uh, topic. Lies. You got the opportunity, and I'm so jealous, to go to CES. And for those that don't know what CES is, I don't know where you've been this entire time. It's the Consumer Electronics Show. So that was your first time going to CES. Tell us all about it. Yeah, work brought me there, coincidentally. Who knew? First time being there. Obviously, we've covered big reveals throughout the past years with CES, you know, Sony and their electric car, which we'll talk about because it was there again. But, you know, it's a huge convention, something like over 110,000 people like in attendance, I think over 3000 different vendors. Obviously, the focus isn't cars, but there's a pretty big area in the convention center that's dedicated to everything automotive related. It's consumer electronics. So you've got, you know, LG there and Samsung and, you know, IEWA and our 
RCA and, you know, Frigidaire and, you know, people like that from everything from, you know, mini fridges to satellites in space. There was even like a NASA booth showing off these really cool cameras that if you've got a million dollars, they can do all this above earth photography, which I think is, it sounded like listening to the guy a little bit going off tangent. It's more for like movies. So like, you know, the next Top Gun 3, Tom Cruise can pay the NASA satellite to take super amazing high definition photos that can all be spliced back in together into the movie. So you had the full gamut of things there. Towards the end of my stay there, once the business stuff was out of the way, I did take advantage and snuck back over to the convention center, um, kind of perused the automotive floor again, taking more pictures, taking in the sights and sounds. Again, the focus isn't what's necessarily, you know, the latest car from each of the marks. There are a few key brands there and it's you know, the focus is more on what the gadgetry is, what the electronics is, what the technology is. So there was a lot more than, you know, Sony, Volkswagen was there, Mercedes. There were even brands you've never heard of that are like Kenu level that are making these small little bizarre little trucks that are electric and you're going to ride them around in the forest or something, you know. And there were tons of electric bicycles of all shapes and varieties, miniature motorcycles or mopeds. I mean, they had some, you could envision them in narrow downtown streets, not in America, but <laughs> in foreign countries. And, you know, they had racks on the side that, you know, they're worker bikes and people have got two by fours on them and they've got a big tool chest on the back hanging off these bicycles that are electric electrified right you put the two by fours perpendicular to the yes bike, right? and yeah, we have that. seen that that's done if you're in florida that's how you do it or whichever state that happened with the, <laughs> the two by fours through the back glass <laughs> yes no when you're in other countries they run parallel with the oh, bicycle okay. <laughs> Those must be the countries where they drive on the other side of the road. Okay, yeah, I got it. It's a standard versus metric thing. Yes. It's a Florida versus everywhere else thing. No. But some of the cool things, I will say, Volkswagen was there. And so Ooh. what were they unveiling? Unbeknownst to me, because I really wasn't following anything leading up to the event. So lo and behold, coming out the backside of the convention center, there was this cube outside all orange and purple colors and it had volkswagen on the side of it and i was like oh interesting eventually made my way out there had a big id7 sign on it there was a line of people they were like waiting to go into this building and then like four minutes later you'd see the line of people come out the building <laughs> i was like okay let me go stand in this line <laughs> went in it was a big reveal for the id7 it was a epileptic person's worst nightmare it was actually like a seizure warning when you went in they like briefed you before like if you're susceptible to like seizures or anything like that like please leave it was this whole like light show in a 15 by 15 foot box essentially with the car in there music sounds the car was spinning you had took a video of it which is included in our show notes nobody said i couldn't <laughs> so I, I filmed the whole thing so if anyone's interested you can check it out it's on the gtm youtube site as well and you can find it in the show notes so the id7 is bigger than the id4 i would yeah. i would think so because of the number the id7 is a sedan it's a sedan what the what yeah okay. it was like a giant passat the id4 is more like a crossover suv, SUV. Yeah. You didn't get to go inside the car or anything like that, but still, ooh, the big unveil. And you can find the press release info and all on it as well. The other interesting thing was I was not expecting to see, but was very happy to see was the ID Buzz. 
And the ID buzz is at the van. So that's the new micro bus or the wannabe Vanagon rather, right? So it's the yeah. retro reimagination of the Vanagon. And it was there on display with the Audi e-tron and the Taycan. There was a reason all three of them were together. It wasn't necessarily a VAG thing. It was a technology thing of all of them. So, I mean, it was obviously the electrification of those cars, but they were open you could sit in the ID bus. I sat in it. I looked all over it, took a bunch of pictures. Trunk was open. You could see how all of the storage and everything. I really liked it. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold on. You like a van truck SUV thing? That's not van. possible. It's a van. van. We're going to call it a van. It's a large hatchback. It's a taller, longer hatchback. Mm-hmm. I very much, I like the. The seats were super comfortable. <laughs> like, I had really nice seats. You won't get those in the US model. That's prototype only. Probably not. Like, the interior was, like, super clean, super simple lines. Had, like, a lot of good room in it. You know, it had a big center console, center screen thing that, like, everybody's doing. But it still had, like, a center screen as well where your typical gauges would go. I mean, the color of it was, like, gorgeous. Like, it was two-tone, obviously, because that's all, how all they were. So it was this dark denim midnight kind of navy color and then it was white on top with the darker blue and it had like some black accents and the wheels were black and silver and the lights themselves had like black accents in them with the red tail lights and all this stuff so overall it was a very nice package i thought i like it it's super cool more importantly yes. how many bags of mulch can you transport in the id bus you know quite a few quite a few It's got some trunk space and I assume the seats in the back would fold down. And so you could fit a lot of mulch back there. So when we talked about the ID buzz before, we talked about the relative rear seating position to the door arch and all this kind of thing, making it seem like it's smaller than it appears to be. But now that you've seen it in person, how big is it? Next to the e-tron, it wasn't that, I don't know, like it it didn't dwarf the e-tron. This being the e-tron GT, right? The Taycan-based car. Yeah. Which, how does that look in person, right? I mean, that was a gorgeous car as well. I didn't get to go in it. The doors were all closed. I don't think I saw the That and the Taycan, people might not have been going into because I never saw the doors open on them. But people were allowed in and out of the ID buzz. I mean, it was, it's definitely taller, obviously. But I don't know. It didn't feel massive. It didn't feel like, I think, in terms of interior cargo space. Like, uh, granted, I'm a petite. I'm not short, but I'm not a sort of petite-ish, I guess. So like I had plenty of room and there were other people like getting in in the back and I I felt like they had plenty of like leg room and headroom and things like that. So uh, actually to take a selfie of myself, (laughs) I'm looking at it right now, sitting inside the front seat and I've got like, (laughs) I've got like beetle headroom in it. So there's there's definitely probably acceptable for taller folks. Did they tease the price yet? So there were no price tags. There were like QR codes you could have scanned. So maybe they gave you more information. I didn't do that because it's not a car show, right? So they didn't have any of those details on display. I haven't seen anything saying what the price is either. As we were chatting back and forth while you were at the show, you also recognized another brand that we talked about on a previous drive-thru, which was VinFast. They had a huge display, actually. They even were like tricky about it because at one point I like, came around a corner and like there's a, a VinFast. I'm like, oh, okay. Except then you like you came around another corner and then there was like five of them and bicycles apparently they make as well. I mean, they had a huge display. They had signs hanging like down from the ceiling and everything. I'm sure they spent a pretty penny to get there, but they're all like 
sort of these compact D crossover mini SUV looking things. I mean, they're not horrible looking, honestly. They had the VF8, the VF9, pretty interesting. They all kind of look similar. They were in eye-popping colors, emerald green and this honey yellow kind of color whatnot. I was surprised I didn't know they made bicycles. So they had quite a few of those on display as well. And then you got the opportunity to talk to the designer of the Mercedes EQ XX prototype, right? So what happened was I was actually walking down the street from the convention center back to wherever. The flow of traffic passing me, I caught the rear end of a car and I said, that is not correct. That doesn't belong here. And it had a European tag on it. And I said to myself, that's the Mercedes concept EV that can't be here. I couldn't get my phone out fast enough. And unfortunately, it was coming up to a red light in traffic, but then the light had turned green and then disappeared and I never saw it again. And I was like, that's interesting. Maybe I had a hallucination. It is Vegas after all. I don't know if they pump in the air. Later, going back to the convention center, came around. Mercedes has a huge booth as well. Of course they do. And boom, there it is on display. Everyone's around it. And I was like, okay. And there was a gentleman, he had his badge hanging on it, Mercedes. And I said, okay, like, let me ask him. <laughs> so I went up to him and I said, hey, like, do you guys have one of these running around? Because I'm pretty sure I saw one on the street. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do. We've just got it, you know, just, yeah, it's exactly just rolling around town, just getting it out there, testing it, driving it. I was like, oh, cool, you know, blah, blah. Anyway, we're chatting, yada, yada. And then halfway through the conversation, he was randomly like, oh, yeah, I designed this. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a second. So, yeah, unbeknownst to me, I was sitting there talking to the designer of this car. And I don't know if that's overall designer aesthetically or engineering wise or what, or if he's program lead, but nonetheless had a little conversation about it. He was super excited, obviously geek to have his car there on display. The sad thing is, he said it, so I guess it's fine, is blah, blah, this car's never being built. <laughs> it's merely a research tool. So it's got all this fun, crazy tech in it. For them to do their research so it'll be i guess interesting to see in the next couple of years what of the technology trickles down into production vehicles or race cars or anything right i mean this thing's insane with its lowest coefficient of drag i think of anything right now with its whole shape because i was like oh you know it was really interesting it was hard to tell in the photos it looked like it was kind of going to be like a small more coupe type car but you know it's a four-door so it's not he's like yeah you know it's five meters long and i was like Okay, and then an Audi 8L is actually longer. <laughs> so this thing is long, but it's not as long as an Audi A8L. Still a big Just to car. give you some perspective on how, it, but you know what? It didn't feel that big in person. So it still has that boat tail to it. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very Silver Arrows feeling. It feels like it's a car from another time. Like it belongs back in early Aston Martin days or something. Like James Bond should be driving it. I don't know. Maybe it'll be in the next Bond film. They got to do something with that car. I mean, that would be super cool. We know you have a special affinity for Mercedes anyway. So it was right up your alley. <laughs> we already heard about the Sony Vision. That's what they were calling it a couple of years ago. Unveiling all their super tech and they're working with Honda to develop it. And we said back then, this is just... Sony being able to put Dolby surround 9.11, blah, blah, blah. 
flips around and that sound in their car, you know, and, and yes, that that's still part of it. Right. But now Sony and Honda have, I guess, labeled the brand for the EV. So I don't know that the car is called this, but it's the brand, but the Afila is what they've come out and said. That's spelled exactly <laughs> how it's being pronounced. I'm a feel like I don't like this. I'm a feel like I'm going to forget how to pronounce this. Cause I keep saying Aflia. Because I, I want to flee away from this. Like, it's just terrible. You know what? I'd have to go back and pull up a year or two ago when they first unveiled it. I feel like it looked better. It looks like a cheap Lucid Air is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, I'm not too big of a fan of its styling in, in picture or, or in person. Nope, nope. Good for them. It's got something ridiculous like 45 sensors on it. To do what? To sense. 800 trillion operations per second with a Qualcomm chip because it's going to do one day autonomous level three and four driving. Got it. Because yes, you probably do need like 100 million sensors and not like one. (laughs) No cameras. Or you can just make it up and say that it self-drives itself, right? We'll get to that later. (laughs) Well, I got super excited when you sent me the picture of the Stellantis keynote. So that was cool. So I actually sat through the keynote of Stellantis. Didn't know what to expect. Again, I didn't go into this with any preconceived notions. Had no idea that Peugeot was going to be announcing or revealing anything, but they did. So they had like the vice president of Peugeot and they rolled one of these out onto stage. The Allure, I guess is what they're calling it. A much better name than Aflia, Fila, (laughs) Adidas, whatever it's called. I mean, yes, 100%. Anyway, so they rolled, you know, they rolled this thing onto the floor again. It's another concept car. I don't know that it would actually be built. It is probably not everyone's cup of tea. It is very angular. So French. So French. got a lot of sharp edges. Exterior and also interior. If you look at the interior, it's triangles and squares put together. And I'm not trying to actually like be mean to it, but it does kind of remind me of like if you were a kid and you were playing with blocks and you stack them. <laughs> oh, so it's not Star Fox like the Cybertruck. It's the other way. I mean, this is so angular that it's very N64 polygon graphics. Like it, this would fit in also, but this is 10 times. I don't, no, sorry. This is like a thousand times better looking than Cybertruck. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. But on the other side of this, you sent me some pictures you got to see the replacement for the charger in person. What'd you think of that? Yeah, so they didn't roll one of those out on stage, but they just had like a video playing and they had sound. It has sound. So they have fake sound on this charger. Like people were like, ooh, and ah, I'm like, this thing, this is not what it should sound like, guys. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> like it was okay, but it was this weird, like, I don't even know how to describe, describe it. It was, it was... Yes, it was electrical sound. Not electrical sounding, but it was like, yes, this isn't a combustion engine sound. <laughs> they did all this revving and they had like kind of obscure picture of it. And they had like a little video, blah, blah, blah. And that, that's what they, that's how they revealed it. But then in their display at the convention center, they had one sitting there like hermetically sealed. You couldn't open the doors, nothing. It was pretty cool looking though. What about that front? spoiler thing we talked about where they carved into the hood yeah it has the reverse like scoops where you can't see them when you're looking at the front of the car but the hood comes down like into the bumper and then it has that weird little i guess i don't know what they're doing with that because it's not the dodge symbol but they have that weird like triangle 
rotary thing from back in the day. It's an old Chrysler thing. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's a name for that symbol. I, I don't remember it off the top of my head right now, but yeah, that's the legacy thing. And the other car that they, or the other vehicle that they revealed was the Ram, whatever they're calling it, Ram concept electrified pickup truck. And someone drove that out on stage as they revealed it with all the music and lights and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, as far as pickup trucks go, I guess it's pretty cool. It sounded like it had a lot of neat features. Sounded like some of them weren't necessarily new. They were carryovers from previous models. But it sounded like there were some unique things that I haven't heard being done on, obviously, the Cybertruck or even the F-150 Lightning or any of the smaller trucks, Rivian, etc. Whatever it's called, where the interior gate folds down, the cab gate whatever that's called, that folds down so you could stick an item into like your back seat area, right? But because there's no motor in the front, you can actually like fold down all the passenger side seats and then like open up a door into the engine bay compartment. And they said you could fit something the length of 18 foot with the rear lift gate closed. That's a worker's truck. I mean, if you're buying 20 foot long, let's say two by fours, that's still a little too short, but you know, I think they come 16 is what I've seen at the hardware store. So that's, that's not bad. Or conduit or piping or anything you yeah. have. I don't know. But I mean, granted, I don't know how many construction workers are really going to be using this kind of like an electrified pickup truck, but nonetheless. No, we're going to put them on the roof, which is only two and a half feet long, and then bungee cord them to the front grill and the tailgate, like we've always done for like a hundred years. I mean, you can't even like put anything in a cyber truck, right? It's like a triangle in the back. <laughs> I'm not sure you what you perpendicular. Fit. It goes perpendicular. Ah, that's how it's supposed to go. Yes. Access, it creates downforce. Yes, yes, yes. There were some other interesting things about them as well. The charging feature is unique. So I don't know if anyone's heard about this yet, because I hadn't heard about this. So we're familiar with most electric vehicles or you plug them in to charge them, right? This has to have that also, because I can't imagine if you're somewhere doing a road trip, how this would work. But when you're at your home, there's this whole charging robot system. Imagine a Roomba and that's how you charge it. What? So the charger comes out autonomously from its dock. It goes under the car and it lines up underneath the chassis, wherever that point is, and then connects and charges the vehicle. And then it disconnects and then Roombas itself back into its little dock. And away so you go. it's funny you mentioned that because I think that's a new take on an old idea because when Don was on here on his first episode, I asked him about what the garage of the future was going to be like. And he talked about a concept that Rolls Royce had come up with many years ago where they had this plate that you would drive either over top of or would come out and go underneath the vehicle and almost act like the magnetic charging that's now available on cell phones. Sort of sounds like they're going for a giant version of the Mac magnetic charger in, in this case. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that they're catching up with this idea that, you know, at the time nobody was really interested in. They've literally taken from robotic vacuums and lawnmowers to do this. So it was it was pretty interesting. I haven't seen anyone else. Granted, Rolls-Royce might have been trying something like that years ago, but modern day, I don't think I've seen anyone else, at least if they are doing it, they haven't unveiled it and yeah. Ram has. So Very cool. Well, there's one last little bit of your Las Vegas experience that you got to tell us about. Yes. So I didn't even think about this the entire time I was there, that it existed. It totally escaped my mind. 
the Hyperloop system. Oh, Tesla time. Which is no longer called Hyperloop. It's just called the Vegas Loop. Again, it come out of the convention center and we were on the wrong side of it. And there were a bunch of buses lined up. And we we're like, oh, we'll take the bus back to, you know, wherever. Except our bus wasn't where we were. One of the bus drivers was like, oh, just, you know, you can walk all the way around there. or And, and then he's just like, or you can take the Tesla loop. It's right there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Didn't even see it, walked right by it. Whoops. So yeah, so we we all said, okay, yeah, sure, why not? I was expecting it to be a nightmare, to be like super crowded, to be lines. It wasn't. You walked over, you took an escalator down, kind of felt like you were at the metro, essentially. You came down into what almost felt like a nightclub because there were all sorts of different color lights and there was, I think, music and there were big TV screens and crap and they're just like people... Not like guest people, but like worker people kind of everywhere. And there's just like Teslas everywhere. And and what you do is you, you go down and there's people directing you. Essentially, there's, I don't know, there was like maybe 10, 12 different lines you could go stand in and little queues to where there was like a little parking space that a Tesla pulled up into. And then, you know, a party of three or four could fit in a Tesla, depending, right? You can't fit that. There's three in a back seat and one passenger, so you can't fit that many people in. But they had like Model 3s, Model Ys, whatever the SUV one is, right? Xs, I think. I think they had a little variety of everything, a smattering of all of them. And they get like coming in and out. And then you had people there at the car opening the door for you, getting you in and blah, blah, blah. It's like, cool. Okay. I don't know. It took like not no time at all. Our group had to split into two cars because we all couldn't fit. Fine. But we didn't wait that long. There was really honestly hardly anybody there. You got in. There's a driver. He backs out. He starts driving. You kind of do a quick loop around the pickup area. And then we shot into a tunnel. Very narrow tunnel. I think we got up to like 27 miles an hour, which honestly kind of... For a minute there, I was like, this feels a little bit quick for this narrow ass tunnel where there's like three inches on each side. But I asked the guy, I was like, so are you in full control? Is it autonomous in any way? Lane assist to make sure you don't accidentally smash into the side of this tunnel. And basically, no, he's fully in control. They're not allowed to use any of the nannies on it. And he literally drove us, what did I say it was? Like half a mile. <laughs> <laughs> but it took like two and a half minutes they do the whole thing and it was yeah i think like two and a half minutes almost three and so it was faster than had we walked it according to google maps that same walk because it was from one side of the convention center down like to the other end of that same side of the convention center would have been like an 11 minute pedestrian walk but it would have been a straight shot. You went on this crazy... We did do some weird shit underground when you look, knowing the route I took and then seeing the above, like where you would have walked. I was like, it was a bit circuitous. And I'm sure there's reasons for that because you're tunneling underground where there's tons of buildings above you and streets and, you know, yada yada and water lines and God knows what else, right? So I'm sure they had no choice. But so technically it was faster. It was free. So there was that. I don't think I would have paid for it. I would have used my free legs. I think I would have got to the other side, got on another one and went back and then got in another. It's like being on a roller coaster at amusement park. I mean, I guess you could have. You could have just tried to get into like get every driver, collect them all. You got to try every Tesla. They're different. You could have gotten in the front 
front seat on one of them, the back seat in another one, the middle seat, and you know, you've just been there all day. It's different in the back of the roller coaster than in the front. You got. And I sat it. in the back. I didn't get to sit in the front. So you know what? I should have gone again and sat in the front. That being said, your whole adventure is documented either between videos and photos, and we're going to make those available through the show notes, and you can check out the vault. There's like hundreds of pictures from your trip to CES. So it's super cool. And we're obviously going to talk about more stuff as we go through this drive-through episode because we want to talk about what's hot and what's not in 2023. So let's transition to the next big thing we always talk about in every winter recap, which is every new car you can still buy with a manual transmission. Car and Driver put out the list not too long ago, and there are... What, no surprises on this list? There is a surprise on this list. Oh, they're the Cadillacs. No, it's the number of cars on this list. I think it went up from last year. I counted these. There's 28 of them, not counting the extra three SUVs that you have to click into a separate article to add to this list as well. So 31 cars in total. And the first one on the list is my favorite, the Integra. Offered in a manual transmission. And you go from there. It seems like almost every manufacturer from Acura, Honda, Hyundai, Volkswagen, Porsche, you name it. Everybody's got a manual transmission. I think the most surprising one on this list is the Kia Forte. Yeah, I I would agree. Uh, No, it's an Econobox. I don't know. I'm torn between the Nissan Versa needing a manual transmission and a Kia Forte. I think I'd rather have a Kia Forte with a manual transmission. No, you want the GR Corolla that's on this list. We know that. Oh, well, I'm not surprised by that. It's fine. I think the biggest surprise, but I know somebody that owns one of these, is the Hyundai Elantra N. So that does come in a six-speed manual. And I think that's pretty cool for a full-size sedan to still be available with a stick. Because cars like the bigger BMWs, the A4, things like that, they ceased having manual transmissions years ago. And it's only the N that comes with the manual, isn't it? Only the performance Elantra N has a manual transmission. The regular Elantra N does not have it anymore. Yeah, I was just seeing I was just seeing that too. Boo-hoo. So you get the very, very specific. I didn't even know there was an Elantra N. What the hell is that? See, that's why it's a surprise. Surprise! There's an Elantra <laughs> N and it's got a stick shift. How is that different from an Elantra? <laughs> it's like the GTI version. Is oh. it the gol- golfer's GTI? Oh, I like how they're stealing golf livery colors. Yeah, the WRC blue that they use. Yeah, I like it yeah. though. I think it's cool. Yeah, the only thing that's, that shocks me on this list, and I wouldn't even say it shocks me, I'm pleasantly surprised, is the Blackwing Cadillacs that you can get them with a manual. Well, it's good to see, though, that there are still cars available this year with a stick shift if you want to buy something new. Yeah. But there are some cars that are leaving us. Oh, no. Yes, as Eric has alluded to, there are five cars that were discontinued in the year 2022. The first one on the list is one that I'm sure everybody is heartbroken about, the Ford GT. I thought they discontinued that like a couple of years ago. I thought it was a one-year run. I didn't realize that they had continued making it. I thought 2016 was the only year they made it, but apparently I was wrong. Yeah, so the first two cars on this list are rich people doing rich people things. So the Ford GT and the Acura NSX. I'm actually pretty surprised that the NSX is already gone. Although I think the NSX, again, like the Ford GT has been around for six years. So I'm sort of like, wait, it's already been six years? They were both unveiled at the same show. Right. But it feels like the Acura came out later. 
it's one of these like here today, gone tomorrow. Like I feel like the NSX just didn't get enough time with everybody and, and now it's gone again, right? So I, I don't know. I saw an original one on the road like a couple days ago. I've seen a couple of them floating around Maryland. We're all sad that the Honda Insight is going away, you know? Breaks my heart. Honda Insight, they still made that? Again, it's no surprise they're discontinuing it. Uh, the bigger question is people bought those? I, I don't know if I've ever seen one on the road. No, I've seen one on the road, but I couldn't tell you the last time. Dang. Skip the stinger. I'm coming back to it is I feel like the stinger got rebadged. Like you can't buy a stinger, but there's a new Kia N7 or Normandy or whatever the heck they're calling it. The Shepherd or whatever it is. Like they, they gave the stinger a new name and that's what's available as its replacement. Like I, I literally saw one the other day on the road and I'm like, oh, that's the new stinger. That's pretty cool. Oh, the K5. It's probably not rear-wheel drive. One of the desirable things about the Stinger or unique things about the Stinger is it was rear-wheel drive and you could get it with a turbo motor producing over 300 horsepower. It was supposed to be very much an enthusiast car and enthusiasts did not flock to the dealerships to buy it. Because it didn't come with a manual transmission. They missed the mark. Isn't that what Kia and Hyundai always do? I mean... Not so much now with the end models, but they always kind of miss them. They always go just up to the line, but they never fully make. But it doesn't make sense because it has the running gear from the Genesis. So putting a manual transmission in it shouldn't have been a big deal. So the 2023 Stinger, which is the last year they're making it, is an all-wheel drive. Yay. And the K5 is now all-wheel drive. So if they were rear-wheel drive, they've already stopped making them. Making it rear-wheel drive, yeah. The last one on this list, the Charger and the Challenger. We talked about it all last year and, and before then. You know, the party's over. We're done. Good. The muscle car era is Good. ending. Well, but, not for that, but but now we've got the electric charger coming out, all that kind of stuff. Here's the crazy part about this particular car going away. The Challenger is a little long in the tooth. It's built on a 900-year-old Mercedes chassis, as we know, along with the 300, which is on its way out and all those kinds of things. But Dodge said, you know what? Just to mess with y'all, we've been making the Challenger the same way forever. And in its last year, we're going to do a limited run of convertibles. (laughs) Seriously? Like you waited 20 years to finally reveal the convertible? Like we couldn't have done the Barracuda five years ago, six years ago when the Challenger was at its peak. Now on its way out, I guess they're just trying to to drum up sales. I, I don't get it. Maybe they just had a lot of convertible tops lying around. From what? They literally had to engineer it. It was never designed as a convertible. Oh, come on, this is Dodge. Are they actually engineering anything? They're taking the shit from the Jeep Wrangler and they're slapping the fucking thing together. With a Sawzall. <laughs> With a Sawzall, Home Depot parts and zip ties. And it's going to sit on top of the Challenger. But you know what's funny about that? It's not the first time Chrysler's done that. Because back in the Iacocca era, when there were no convertibles for sale in the United States, in his auto biography he talks about going down to the floor and the new LeBaron was coming out and he asked the guys to literally cut the roof off and just kind of slap something on and he wanted to drive around and see what people thought about the potential of a new convertible and I'm like so I guess they're just following tradition yeah speaking of the GT40 Florida man and we're not getting ahead of ourselves here because it's not necessarily a funny Florida man but it just happens to be a Florida man who had bought a brand new 2006 GT40. Ever since then, he's been trying to hold the record for fastest street legal car. He has been modifying it, apparently, forever. He held the record for a bit of time back in, I think, like 
2012, but then he got beat out 2017 and then COVID and he was looking for parts because engine blew or something, I think. And lo and behold, finally, hashtag chips, he got his parts and everything. And he, I think, has the record again for 310.8 miles an hour in a GT40. And you know what's awesome about that? From traffic light to traffic light, he still gets smoked by a stock Tesla 3. <laughs> just going to put it out there. I think he said on that run, and he wasn't even trying. Like, you would think it was just like a shakedown run with like the new motor. Where? In Montana? In like the flat land, salt land, something. I don't know. I mean, there's no Crown Vic on this earth that's going to catch him. He was on a um, a runway. Yeah, on a runway because he said on that run, he, and he's got a parachute on it to help him stop. And he skidded over 1,100 feet and like barely like stopped at the end of the runway. <laughs> so he's hoping, he thinks he can get 322 miles an hour out of it. And then die because he can't And then stop. like, I don't know, I guess, has he thought about this? Because if he couldn't stop at 310, like, is he going to pave more runway? <laughs> Insane. He's going to get an extra parachute, reverse thrusters. I don't know. Extend the runway. Yeah. But here's my thing. Why would you do it on a runway and not, if you have that kind of money, just rent Daytona International Speedway and get up on the bowl. I don't get it. I don't know. I guess. Then risk your life and break the car. At least you can slow down in a controlled path. I mean, I don't know, whatever. <sighs> but getting back to what's hot and what's not, Car and Driver has already put out the 10 best cars of 2023. And I saw that title come across my desk and I asked myself, how is that even possible? We're only like three weeks into 2023. And then it dawned on me, the 2023 models came out in September. So they're able to sort of make this claim of the best cars of the year before yes. we've even made it through the year. It's the best cars to look forward to. in 20- Let's think about it that way. How about? Yeah, yeah. None of them are a surprise. But it was also like, womp, womp. Like, this is what we have to choose from. Yeah, you've got the BMW i4, the Cadillac CT4, the Corvette, the Accord, the Civic, the 718 Cayman, the Burrs and the Furs, the GR Corolla. That's the only one I went, yeah, all right. And then the GR Supra. So you got these 10 cars that we've been talking about for a couple of years now, other than the Corolla, which just hit our shores in October. The only one on this list I'm interested <laughs> I mean, the Cadillacs could be interesting, but I'm not a above middle-aged man, so <laughs> the interest only goes so far. Can we talk about BMW for a second? Sure. That unveiling that they did, they had a huge social media campaign about it last week, I think it was, while Tanya was at CES. What is the, the car, the, the, the Me Too or whatever the hell? I don't it. know where that car was. I didn't see it. They didn't have a booth. No idea where it went. Because it was allegedly there. Maybe it was on the road. Maybe you couldn't see it because it was changing colors. That was the one that I found that Twitter video where they had a Herbie and they had a Michael Knight kid car. Yes. Like yes, we're yes, going that, down the, the Vegas Strip with whatever that BMW was. Yeah, it's supposed to be an extension of your personality. Like it, it's you. It, I can't remember what it's called. It was something stupid. The iVision D. Yeah, the D. D-E-E. Yeah, D-E-E. It's dumb. And D-E-E stands for something. <laughs> Driver experience something or some bullshit. Yes. So is it like you upload a photo and it then mimics whatever it saw or what does it do? Or is it like a mood ring? It's a mood ring, yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, yes. It's like a mood ring, I think. Like 
it's like the minis you can scroll through different interior lighting accents right there's like a dozen different colors except that's on your interior and it's just led lights this is your paint changes color you plug it into your cerebral cortex and <laughs> sing and link it to your body it's straight out of cyberpunk 2077 is what it is i mean in order for it to work like a mood ring there has to be an orifice on the dashboard that you stick your finger into <laughs> only your finger <laughs> no i don't know it's not it's not apparently there's like 32 colors that you can choose from, I guess. And then also you can harlequin it. So you could do different patterns or body panels with uh-huh. different colors. They call it, I think, e-ink tech. Straight out of Kendall. It sounds expensive. Like what happens if you get a rock chip in this thing? I haven't seen any videos of it actually working. The only videos I saw on social media were stupid animations. So does it even actually work? They're releasing the car for sale in the metaverse. <laughs> second life you can get it as an add-on second half life yeah here's my question you go do something bad and we're looking for a bmw i4 it's all blue color and then like you hit do 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 now your car is like i don't know green (laughs) i mean that's the opening of cannonball run with the lamborghini right they just wash off the black paint and it's white or whatever exactly it's like every old movie trope where they're like i'm gonna peel the paint off my car and suddenly no one's gonna find me (laughs) now you can do it with your iphone I don't know that the Gen Z people or whoever the hell this car is targeted to is actually pulling bank heists. So I don't think (laughs) that's really a problem. That's more of like a Gen X kind of thing. I don't know. I heard recently about somebody who stole a key to to steal an ATM machine. So (laughs) is that a Florida man story coming up? (laughs) Maybe some foreshadowing here. (laughs) But speaking of things that are maybe working, maybe not working, and some foreshadowing. We have talked over and over again, and we mentioned Hyundai earlier, the N74 Vision concept. And another article came out. And remember, we were so excited. And then the next month, it was want, want. They're never going to build it. It's a rolling lab. And here we go. After the winter break, another article comes out where a gentleman interviews Giorgetto Giugiaro himself. And they're like, yeah, yeah, the new car and this and that and the heritage of the Pony 74 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, guys. I looked at the timestamps of this article and it's not old news. It was after they had already said that they're never going to build this thing. And here we are talking about it as if it's going into production. So I'm a little bit just pissed off at this point because I'm being teased. I want to know if it's going to be built, right? Because I'm going to save my pennies if it is, because it is super cool. This might be one of those things where the demand, the reaction from the public is dictating yeah maybe maybe we should make this thing maybe it wasn't originally in the plans and then now i mean this would be like a nissan z killer yes 100 percent. this thing is gorgeous i'd take this over the z every review i've seen from random people on the internet and people i've talked to about this car are all like where did this come from this is amazing are they going to build it there's like a lot of enthusiasm around this and i think it's just foolish for Hyundai not to try to come out with this car. Shit, at this point, they could build like three and probably sell them for like a ridiculous amount of money to some rich person. Oh, a thousand But then they're just going to sit in somebody's temperature-controlled garage forever. Your next classic car. Hyundai's. What should I buy? <laughs> Eric will have to buy it off of Bring a Trailer for like $2.5 million. 
we do have some very important and very sad news to tell everybody here at the end of our showcase. It's not necessarily hot or not. It's definitely not. And that is the sudden and tragic accidental passing of legendary Jim Khanna and rally driver Ken Block. So if you haven't heard about that, it has been plastered from sea to shining sea on every social media platform out there. He was unfortunately killed in a snowmobile accident on January the 2nd. People are still posting their memories and their tributes to Ken. We even have a special episode that we relaunched out of our vault where we sat down with one of his childhood friends talking about how they filmed Jim Kana, one, two, and three, and all that kind of stuff. So our hearts and our thoughts go out to the Block family and interesting to see what happens with Hoonigan in the next couple of years. And I guess what Audi does next, right? Yeah, at least he went out doing what he loved. I mean, it sucks. It's terrible. Good for him doing what he loved until his last dying breath. Absolutely. Well, with that sobering news, I guess we should move on to other things that are clinical and utilitarian. Let's talk about Volkswagen and Porsche yet again. So I'm not really sure where this next article should fall, whether it's JDM or Porsche, but somebody decided to take a 911 GT3 and put a Subaru WRX motor in it. So how many laps are they going to get before they get towed in? This story belongs under Florida, man. Suppose the motor in the GT3 was blown up. It's pretty expensive to replace one of those. So how many Subaru motors do you have to blow up before you could have just bought a new GT3 motor? Yeah, why replace a blown up motor with a motor that's going to blow up? It's not even that. It's sort of like, why would you put a four cylinder in that car? I mean, the GT3 motor is making what, 300... 80, 400 horsepower, whatever they make, normally aspirated. They sound amazing. They're designed to rev to 10 billion RPM all day long. Because apparently it weighs 170 pounds less than the flat six and could be tuned to explode at 415 horsepower stock. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Stock my ass, 415. That thing's going to Chernobyl without being like... Reinforced with NASA metal. Oh, yeah. It's got to be a completely built engine. I know all the Subaru people are crying right now, but we've seen it. Stock Subarus do run forever because they're built to do pedestrian things. But the high-performance Subarus, when they're stressed out, it's not if, it's when. I don't want to get into that debate, but what I want to get into is you took a GT3 and did this. Why not a base model 911 or or a 996 or something else? You have a high-end limited production Porsche. This thing's worth nothing now. I guess worth something to somebody. I mean, it seems totally pointless. Speaking of totally pointless, what about Porsche testing their Safari 911 on the side of a volcano in Chile? Where else would you test it? Bolivia, like Top Gear. Why do you have a Safari 911? Why don't you have a Safari 911 after all these decades? (laughs) Because that's something people want? Of course, when you have a lot of money. Isn't that called a Cayenne? But I can't take my wife's Cayenne (laughs) 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 to use it to pick up the kids and get the groceries. Ah. Take your daughter's McCann. This is, again, where we get back to refining bad ideas. Right. We're going to put all this research and development into building an off-road 911. Herrera for us. When you could just sell a Cayenne or buy a Touareg or whatever, Atlas or whatever it's called. It's nostalgia, right? Nostalgia for what? The factory never built the freaking first Safari 911. But they did rally the 911. And it was an Audi underneath. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. Nobody cares. They just see the emblem. Porsche. Porsche. <laughs> oh, it looks like it's so cute from the front. It's like a little frog. Mm. 
Look at it. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Tanya's lost her marbles. <laughs> it looks like a Hot Wheels thing, right? Yes. I mean, I'd buy it for 94 cents at Walmart to add it to my collection. But other than that, forget it. A little bit of foreshadowing of the upcoming sports car season. Former Formula One driver Grosjean is now driving for Lamborghini. His stint in uh, IndyCar didn't work out? Nope, it did not. So he's going to sports car racing. So he'll be at Rolex. Yeah. So it's time we move on. We actually have news this month from Lower Saxony. We want to talk about a little bit more about BMW and Mercedes. I guess. There's an aftermarket company that claims to address the BMW grill issues. Nah, that looks like trash too. (laughs) All right. Enough said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're smaller-ish. Oh, man. Dude, it's been three years of BMW owners and enthusiasts trying to justify this front end to everybody else. It's really not that ugly, guys. If you look at it after I punch you in the eye three times and you're half drunk, it looks amazing. Trust me, it looks great. <laughs> no, I mean, it's horrible. Unpopular opinion. I think the, the redesign, this body kit or whatever looks pretty snazzy. I would totally do this if I had one of these M4s. The car might cost as much as the car. Yeah, I mean, why can't the factory just do this to begin with? If this is what everybody actually wants, and here's the thing that just blows my mind, and it relates back to these grills. I was in the DC area pretty recently. I was in traffic in my old car, which sits below everybody and all this kind of thing. And up in my rearview mirror suddenly appears Bucktooth Beaver. Yeah, I couldn't identify what it was because it's so big. It just eclipsed me. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You just saw grill in the back glass. That's all there was. And I'm like, it's a BMW, but I couldn't tell what kind of BMW it was because it wasn't really a grill. It was a faux grill. So I got over a lane, I let the guy go by, and I realized it was the new iX. So then I'm like, oh, I've never seen one of these in person. I've only seen how ugly it is in pictures. So I got to get the close up. So I'm like, I'm buzzing around him. I'm kind of looking. And at the same time, a dude with an, a brand new X7 merges onto the highway and now I'm, I'm sandwiched between them and i'm like holy cow I, i'm totally dwarfed it was like being between two tractor trailers and the ix is really big it's not as long as the x7 but they're massive but i tell you what the grills whoo between those two cars i think they could have swallowed me and three other cars inside them. they're just ginormous absolutely ridiculous looking and I could identify more with the X7, like, okay, it's squarish. I'm not a big fan of the rear lights. There's some design cues there that are carries over from the previous versions. I could live with it. But the iX, I didn't understand what it was trying to be. Like, it has these things reminiscent of the Volkswagen, like, Sportback Atlas that they tried to do and, like, crazy angles. And I just don't get it. I don't like it. Have you seen the new X7? the one that's coming out in 2020, the 2023 model. So they've added, you know, like the football players, they paint the <laughs> line under their eyes for the glare. He's got that now. Oh. It's very bizarre, which I think is they're pulling it off the i7 because the i7 started doing that where it's got yeah. like the second row of headlights, I guess. Weird. I don't know. I'm not a fan. To each their own. So more BMW news. AC Schnitzer is back. Who? 
one of the mod houses like Dynan and others that specializes in BMW, they were really popular back in the 80s and 90s. It's sort of like the roof is to Porsche. AC mm. Schnitzer is to BMW. Schnitzel, but yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Schnitzel. The Schnitzel is back. We love Schnitzel. We're not being mean. With a German Polizei, that's the police pursuit vehicle. Ooh, I like it. For the German Highway Patrol. The lights on it distract you from the grill, so it's good. <laughs> Don't they? They blind you so you can't see the grill, so it's all good. Well, like all AC Snitzer products, the car is highly modified, makes a trillion horsepower, all that fun stuff. I just don't see a police officer actually using this. Why would you go to a mod house to build a police car when you need them to be workhorses? You look at why the Crown Vic was so popular. The motor is understressed. It can run forever, all this kind of stuff. And then you want to give the police officers a high-performance pursuit vehicle? I don't understand why, because I heard rumor that they're going to start implementing speed limits on the Autobahn. Is it to chase people down or is it just to have a lot of fun? Hmm. Yes. There's just cooler police cars in Europe, so I'm not even sure the relevancy of these comments. Watch any television show on the BBC. Astra Diesel by Vauxhall. Volvo V60 Cross Country. Those are the ultimate police cars in Europe. What are you talking about? (laughs) Okay. Or Fiat Puntos or Lamborghinis. Have seen those. (laughs) Those are so fake. You've never seen. Yes, I have at the airport. The Carabinieri do not drive Lamborghinis. They are parked. <laughs> it's like a police car show. I took a photo from the plane of the Lamborghini in the airport. They park hard. Okay. It was stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never seen a police Lamborghini in motion. It doesn't happen. But you know what else doesn't happen? Especially if you don't pay for it. You don't get the faster acceleration of the new Mercedes EVs. This is just a dirty, dangerous slope. Called it. Told you so, knew this was coming a year ago when we started talking about even the BMWs putting stuff behind paywalls. We're like, they're going to start to limit the speed. You want that ludicrous mode? You want that sport package? Subscription, subscription, subscription. And Mercedes being Mercedes, they're throwing on $1,200 annual if you want to get maximum acceleration and speed out of your EV. I mean, if you can probably afford a Mercedes EV, I'm going to guess the $1,200 annual, 100 bucks a month. Well, 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 hold on. Let's look at the demographic here of people that buy Mercedes. Do they really want to go that fast? Is that why they put it behind the paywall? They're like, for the footballers, we're going to charge them. But for the retired podiatrist that has a Mercedes, does he really care to go zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Or maybe there's people that'll just feel special because like, I have a subscription for speed. Uh, you know. I have the need for speed this month. Or look at this. Oh, I have the perfect Christmas present, honey. Here's a subscription. You go five miles an hour faster. <laughs> Terrible. Did it specify which Mercedes models it was? Just the EVs? It's the EQ series. Yeah. Remind me to never buy it. It says, according to Mercedes, the yearly fee increases the maximum horsepower and torque of the car while also increasing overall performance. Acceleration from 0 to 60 is said to improve by 0.8 to 1 second. And overall characteristics of the electric motors are supposed to change as well. The extra performance is unlocked by selecting the dynamic drive mode. If I'm in a street race and I'm trying to win some monies... 
I call up Mercedes because I need to get this extra boost so I can go ahead. And then <laughs> I start the race because I put down my credit card. And then halfway through the race, they're like, sorry, sir, your card is declined. And then I lose that power and I lose that race and I lose the girl. And I go and cry in a corner somewhere eating my tuna sandwich. Is that how that's going to happen? That's Fast and Furious 10? Yep. Yeah. They're all calling on their cell phones to get more horsepower. <laughs> Instead of Nas. <laughs> no more Ludacris with the speed shop. Yeah. No, no, no. Ludacris is, he's the computer hacker guy too, right? So oh. he's sitting there hacking into Mercedes to get you that unlocked power. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 There's a whole cyber thing here going on. Oh, now you got, yeah, there you go. I forgot. He was, yeah, he's the hacker. Since you brought up cyber, that's actually a great segue into Stellantis. But we're not going to talk about anything dealing with Stellantis here in the United States, but we're going to bring up a name from the past, a company that hasn't manufactured a car in quite a, a while, and that's Lancia. They are coming back as the EV arm of Stellantis. Like Hummer. I do not understand this concept car. It's a sculpture that is meant to preview some of the design language that future models will use. It is a sculpture that looks like a play school pitbull car where I no. stick you in the hole. No, 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 no. It looks like a mouse. It's not like a Not like a rodent. It looks like one of those fancy ergonomic computer mice. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it looks like the, the remote control from the movie Click. <laughs> no, so I, I think you're supposed to use your side of the brain for artistic creativity and look at that and imagine sweeping lines, curves, clean. And it's got a rudder. <laughs> it's a sailboat. It's got a, it's got a rudder. <laughs> because having just come off of the recently released, what should I buy Italian card episode? You all mentioned when eventually the Lancia did come up. You mentioned, I believe, both, well, one of these two vehicles. And if you read this article, it says the design language of this new Lancia will draw on the classic Flaminia and Aurelia models for inspiration as the brand plans new Ypsilon and Delta models. So there you have it. Is the design language based on you hitting me over the head with a full bottle of Jaeger? I don't see the connection between this remote control made by Logitech and not Lancia and those cars you just mentioned. Like there's nothing similar. That is a, what are they called? The ink the thing? Rorschach R test. R yes. Rorschach test. Rorschach, yes, thank what, you. What do you. What do you see when you look at this? <laughs> I see a butterfly. All right. Well, as we dive deeper into the domestic news brought to you by AmericanMuscle.com, your source for Ford, Chevy, and Mopar performance and OEM replacement parts. The winter break is quite long. So we have things going back to our very last drive-through episode in the October, November timeframe. And things like the new 2023 Ford Super Duty can tow 40,000 pounds and has 1,200 foot-pounds of torque and 500 horsepower and all this craziness. And people are rejoicing about how they can tow trains and aircraft carriers and stuff with it. I'm like, great. Never seen people do that at Home Depot. <laughs> As you dive into this, everybody's rooting and roaring and hooping and hollering about how awesome Ford truck is. And it's powered by, of all things, a diesel. Yeehaw! That's all I'm going to say. That's how the full-size truck market 
works. You know, you get the the massive towing capacity from the diesels. Those are the the bro dozers of the world that are out there. But my favorite part is the eight thousand pound available maximum payload. Think of all that mulch, eight thousand pounds of mulch. You could redo the entire landscape of condo complexes down the eastern seaboard, probably. I don't know. Some of these guys use a lot of mulch. They like to really pack it in thick. (laughs) I guess my only question is why? Why do I need to be able to tow a 40,000 pound locomotive engine? Because you need to tow your quadruple decker toter. For your 18 race cars you're putting in there. Oh, I mean, that's true. But aren't you just going to use an 18 wheeler? You're going to, if you have that kind of money, you're just going to hire a driver and you're going to have an 18 wheeler with a full on trailer. Right. Where do you draw the line between just getting a Freightliner Renegade, something like that, or buying an older Kenworth or whatever? Well, because you're not going to drive the Freightliner to the grocery store. Have you seen some of the things that pull up at the grocery store these days? You used to live in Texas. Of course you've seen some of this shit. Everything was a Freightliner compared to what I was driving when I was in Texas. Talk about being swallowed alive by shit. It's the same thing as in like with the Dodge Challenger Hellcat and everything, 707 horsepower. It's just because we can. It's all, all bragging rights. It's all this is. Nobody is ever going to use that. First of all, I think legally DOT, regardless of what truck it is, it's a weight restriction. You need Correct. a CDL to drive something. Which gross vehicle weight is the X. I don't know what the actual number is, but there, there's weight requirements, which is by law. So yeah, if you're going to tow your forty thousand pound, if you're just going to take your home and you're going to tow it around the world or, or around the back roads of Texas, then yeah, you're going to need a CDL to do it. I don't care if you got a three fifty or four fifty or what. Here's the farce in all of this. When you read the article, I think somebody was confused because they did you see the msrp how is it only forty five thousand dollars bingo thank you because i thought people have been saying like oh the 150 70 grand for one of those how the hell is this forty five thousand? so you the forty five thousand dollars is not for that the forty five thousand dollars is for the base 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 super duty it's just for the tires so you get the base super duty with the 6.8 liter gas motor work truck you can probably get it MSRP 45.7 and then $25,000 destination charge. That seems super low. The prices of everything are inflated right now. Like this truck should be, I think there's a one missing in there. Like it should be $145,000 based on everything else we've seen in the last year. Well, I don't know why you're poo-pooing on this. How is this any different than like all the cars where it's like, yeah, we should have 900 horsepower. Why not? Because we can. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what I just said. Like the, the Hellcat and all that. This is just the truck equivalent of that. No, because all yeah. the haters come out and say, oh, you don't need that diesel. Blah, 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 blah. Diesel is terrible. Ah, and all this stuff. And then here they are praising the ability of this truck, which is 100% dependent upon that motor. I don't think you're talking about the same people. I don't think the people that are praising this truck are the same people that are saying diesel's bad. I think they're two different camps. There's a whole ecosystem here, my man. My point is, though, you hear the arguments all the time. You don't need the diesel. You can do it with the gas motor, and you can't. You cannot tow these types of capacities without this type of engine. We're like, we're praising the dinosaur here. And I'm all I'm all for diesel, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of things I don't understand about this, and it all revolves around the price because- if it is 45 grand, well, shit, I'm going to go get one because that's a, that's a bargain for a diesel super duty. Guarantee you the 45 grand is for the base. 
without the diesel, probably two-wheel drive work truck. The diesel version, especially the high-output diesel, giving these amazing numbers, is probably closer to 90. Or more, yes. Yeah. I like the fact that there's still a diesel option available out there. If you need it, buy it. That's all I'm saying. And, and, And how about this? How much would you say one of the space shuttles weigh? Top of your head. Tanya probably has a good idea. You're telling me this thing can tow the space shuttle? No, I've got a point I'm trying to make. You say you need the diesel to do this shit, to tow all these massive things. Toyota did a whole campaign where they towed a space shuttle around with their regular lowly little 5.7 liter V8. So you don't need this. You don't need it. What you didn't see were the 37 tugs from the airport that were pushing the space shuttle <laughs> like behind the Toyota. There's gotcha. something to be said about something that's on tires, that's rolling. In that example, though, there's almost zero tongue weight <laughs> when they were pulling that. He was literally laterally pulling the space shuttle because I saw that video. It's not that the space yeah. shuttle was attached to the gooseneck and then there was all that weight on the back of the truck. So that's a little bit oh, yeah. unfair to say that the Tundra is capable of towing the space shuttle because it's not towing the space shuttle the way it should be towing it. It should be towing it the way Daniel tows a shed. It's 100% right on the ground, no trailer, <laughs> no nothing. No wood, no nothing. I can pull your Tundra with a Fiat 500, if we're all on the ground flat with a tow strap, it doesn't take much to tow you, but to load you up and tow you is a whole different ballgame. It says there's XL, XLT, Lariat, King Range, Platinum, and Limited. The XL is 45000 The XL is the base model. But is that gasoline or diesel? I guarantee you it's gasoline only. The standard equipment is going to be the gas motor. Okay, so then... And then that's not all-wheel drive because all-wheel drive apparently starts on XLT and Lariat. The prices increase all the way up. The limited, the highest package is 97990 Starting price before options. I guess. And the diesel is considered an option. It's always more. Drop another 10 grand or more on top of that because there's a tax that you basically pay to buy that diesel. Yeah, because of the diesel and the trans and all that other yep. bullshit that goes along with it. Exactly. That's a $125,000 truck all day long. Good on Ford. I'm not in the market for anything like this. I don't plan to tow my garage around. Okay, I'll stick with my But my you truck. fit in it, though. <laughs> I fit in my truck that I have now, so I'm good. Things that we probably don't fit in. Let's talk about the new Corvette. Oh, E-Ray. E-E-Ray. I was wondering <laughs> if that was going to be a joke. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Now, I mean, okay, cool. One thing that bugged me about this, the reference to the tires, the rear tires, these are the widest all-season tires ever fitted to a production vehicle. And then I had to go back and I had to do some research because I distinctly remember that the Vipers started with 335s and they went to 345s and they went to 355s, but I couldn't find anywhere that referenced that they were all-seasons or summers. I think for the most part, they were summers, but had to be an option for all seasons at some point. Right. right? So, I I mean, I think it's a stupid stat to be proud of. We're so proud. We've got the widest all season tires ever fitted to a production vehicle. I was a little perplexed by the whole front wheel drive, all wheel drive. So I, I didn't see that anywhere in here. I did not see where it said front wheel drive at all. So it can run in front wheel drive mode if it's electric only. Oh, because the mo- yeah, the electric motor's in the front. I just saw that as you did. Okay. At the end of the day, the Corvette E-Ray is becoming 
more like the NSX that it was modeled after, <laughs> at least jokingly. Mm-hmm. So with that hybrid system, with all that, I just, I'd like to see the performance numbers of the E-Ray against, let's say the Z06 or some of its other base brethren, like the, you know, the Z51 Stingray, stuff like that. Is it really worth it? The battery is not that big. It's not a car designed for commuting and range and all this other kind of stuff. So it's really that Kerr's electric turbo thing, you know, that we joke about. So it's it's giving it the assist just like it does in the NSX. You know what this is? This is the gas crunch back in the mid 2000s when Chevy said, oh, we're going to make a hybrid. And they show out the 5.3 liter V8 with the hybrid, whatever stupid hybrid Tahoe and yeah. Suburbans that they went out with. It's basically just to say you got it. It's probably also to check a box for greenhouse this and reduction of that and you know, all those kinds of exactly. things. Exactly. 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 This is so they don't have to buy credits from Tesla. Or they don't believe that they could sell a fully electric Corvette or they don't know how to build one. And so they're compromising and going, well, let's like get people interested, but not get them 100% there. We'll go hybrid. Fully electric Corvette, front wheel drive, all that. That was the Chevy Bolt. That being said, you hit on something, Brad, that I've been thinking about that I've been kind of you know mulling over, which is you mentioned that gas crisis era with the hybrid Tahoe, which was a complete failure. I mean, they sold like all of three of those. I feel like we're in another malaise period right now. If you look at the cars, they're all just sort of like whatever, but we're emphasizing the gadgets and the luxury. Granted, we have performance that we didn't have in the malaise era with the electric motors and stuff, but the cars are just sort of just nah. And I wonder if we look back 20 years from now at the 2020s and we go, man, all those cars were just junk. I'm glad we finally figured it out or whatever the next evolution is that comes after this. The next evolution is going to be no cars at all. Exactly. It's going to be Jetsons. (laughs) Yeah. We're all going to be working from home. The next evolution is going to be ready player one. We're all going to hang out in the The metaverse. metaverse. The peripheral. (laughs) And maybe I'll get my Hyundai N74 vision that way. So whatever works. You'll just need to accumulate 900 billion trillion uh, Bitcoin credits to uh, purchase it. Yeah, I don't know if this is April Fool's or not, but along with the whole E-Ray conversation came this announcement of Corvette to launch as its own brand in 2025 with a four-door and an SUV. Didn't we prove that was a spoof or something? I mean, there was a November car and driver article that says Corvette to launch as a brand in 2025 with a four-door and an SUV. The next move from GM with its valued Corvette nameplate will be to launch a Corvette sub-brand to include a four-door coupe and a sporty high-performance crossover to partner with the upcoming two-seater Corvette EV. So it sounds like the Taycan, and it sounds like the Ferrari Puro Sangue or whatever it is. Pure blood, Puro Sangue. This is one thing I disagree with. GM, you got so many other cars, the Lyrics and the this and the that and the whatevers and the Cadillac Blackwings. You don't need this. Like, I feel like you're watering down Corvette. Leave Corvette alone. They are in direct contrast with everything you just said recently. To quote the article, sports cars are useful image builders and sometimes very profitable. But as Porsche proved in the early 2000s with the Cayenne SUV, there's a lot of profit to be made stretching the brand into other vehicle segments. Played intelligently and with authenticity, the name Corvette should be a license to print money. At a point in time when Ferrari and Maserati and Porsche are all offering one or more SUVs, the antithesis to the hardcore sports cars that put them on the map in the first place, 
why shouldn't Corvette also consider building sedans, crossovers, or heaven forbid, pickups? Because they shouldn't. Yeah, oh, I don't disagree with that. Ferrari has no business making an SUV. This brings me to the first line of the Car and Driver E-Ray article. It says, this isn't your grandfather's Corvette. In fact, he'd probably decry this car using the nameplate in the first place. Eric, are you that grandfather? Did they talk to you? Did they interview when they created this article? Because you are old man yells at cloud. Pretty much. I see this as like complete sacrilege. And this is in a different way than the Mach-E was to the Mustang, right? The Corvette is the Corvette. The Taycan and the 911 are not the same thing. Let's be real, people. The Taycan is an A8. Nobody knows that. You think people know these things. But it's not a 911. We're going to call it the 911 Coupe. It's a different model. It's the Taycan. This is exactly the same thing as Mustang Mach-E. Okay, <sighs> sorry. The Mach-E should never be called a Mustang. That's not a Mustang. So putting Corvette on anything other than a Corvette, a Corvette. doesn't make any sense. But I guess where are the people wrong? I don't know. Well, I also see it as the new Blazer. Which, by the way, the design cues that it provokes is a Camaro SUV when you look at it, and it looks terrible. You mean the Equinox? Same difference, right? But Yeah, it's the same thing. Again, here we have a proliferation of models. It's all the same garbage, right? And you're like, whatever. Okay, it's fine. A, it's badge engineering 100%. in a different form. That's all. They're just relying on you to spend your money on the Mach-E because it says Mustang. Ooh, Mustang. We know what Mustang means. Well, it has nothing to freaking do with that compact crossover SUV. Right. Really tells you what they actually think about their product. It's like, we don't think the product is good enough to stand on its own as the Mach-E. We have to market it this way to try and pilfer some of those buyers that want a Mustang. We have to try and tap into that market because it's not good enough to sell on its own. I don't want to hate on the Mach-E because I do like the way it looks. I've seen a bunch of them in person. They're great value for money, all those kinds of things. The name is a debate unto itself. But at the end of the day... Those of us in the know know that the Mach-E is pinned on top of the Ford Escape and all that stuff. It's not a ground up S850 chassis unique like the Mustang is that with the new S750 that just came out. So the Corvette, putting that badge on an SUV as an example, what I'm worried about is, to your point, Brad, is it's an Equinox. It's a Blazer that they're going to slap Jake on the side of and they're going to call it a Corvette. And that's not a Corvette. That's watering down the brand and recycling stuff from one of the other verticals and then just saying, we have to have this because everybody else does. Corvette should be left alone. Going back to the Maki for just a second. I saw something the other day, again, on my trip to the district. I didn't know this was a thing and I didn't know if somebody did this or if it came from the factory. It was a Mach-E GT and it had Mustang GT badges on it. So if you go to Ford's website, they show a 2023 Mustang Mach-E GT. So then it was brand spanking new. Starting at 69895 Whoa. And what makes that so special? It has 270 miles of range, 3.8 seconds, zero to 60 in GT performance edition, seating for five. 20-inch machined face aluminum wheels with high gloss ebony black painted pockets, performance gray active X seating material with unique Miko perforated reflective insert and metallic stitching, fixed position front row head restraints, instrument panel with aluminum applique, 
MagnaRide registered trademark damping system. So does it have the same battery range and performance and all that? Because then it's just a styling package. To your point, it's badge engineering. Okay, here's the regular Mach-E starting at 46,895 with an estimated 247 miles of range. So that's slightly less. And 5.8 seconds of 0 to 60 miles an hour in the standard range battery with E all-wheel drive. It has a drainable frunk, Ford mobile power cord, and a Sync 4A. I don't know. Those are the key features that list for this. Nice. <laughs> okay, Eric, let me ask you a question because you've purchased brand new vehicles before. Mm-hmm. Tanya, I don't think has ever purchased a brand new vehicle. Not in life, 20 but... years, but no. <laughs> no, I never have. I've never bought a brand I've, new I've car. I've seen Tanya's car. She's never had a brand new vehicle ever. Um, but Eric, you bought a brand new GTI before you bought your R32, right? How right. much did you pay for that? So back then, the VR6 with all the options and the leather and the quote unquote, what was the moonroof at that time, I think with taxes and tags and everything, it was like 27. Right. $27,000, which was kind of expensive for a car Correct. back then. Because who is who is buying all these vehicles? $45,000 cars and $70,000 cars. Why are cars so expensive now? Who can afford that? I, can't, I mean, I can, but I can't. The first car I ever bought myself with a GTI, you know, there's a theme here on the show, and my GTI was twenty grand out the door, yep. twenty thousand dollars out the door, one eighty in two thousand one. I don't understand who can afford to spend forty thousand dollars willy nilly on a on a car. And, and that's the best part. That's where the R thirty two was a bargain, because for thirty five hundred more dollars or four grand or whatever the difference was between my VR six, which was fully loaded with the winter package and all the options that I could get, the bigger wheels and all that stuff. When I went to the R thirty two, dude, I got. 50 more horsepower. I got all wheel drive. I got the Koenig race seats. I got, you know, all this really cool stuff that came specifically on the R32, the body kit, the exhaust, all that for four grand. $32,000 in 2003 was a lot of money, but it was just like, wow, what a car. I mean, the performance difference was huge. This, you go from 46 grand to $69,000 and you're giving me 25 more miles of electric range and a couple of seconds on zero to 60, which I'm never going to use anyway. It doesn't seem worth it for a body kit. But you have aluminum applique. Because if you talk to our parents, they're like, oh, we bought brand new cars for less than 10 grand. The first vehicle I ever drove was a Honda Civic and my father bought it brand new for $10,000. I understand inflation, you know, times are different, material costs and all that stuff. Everything changes over time. It still seems ridiculous. $70,000. I don't see it. The math is not adding up. I guess longer loans, these people are doing, and that's true because we've talked about the lending, auto, you know, lending market. Subprime auto lending. Yeah, this (laughs) this is subprime auto lending market. No, it's it's, subprime is removed because it's the whole market now. It's just the auto lending market. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's taking out you know, six and seven year loans and stuff like that. Why, why, why? I mean, I understand why, because they have to have a vehicle, but that doesn't make any sense to me what people are spending their money on. We do have to move on from our raging debate about the history of names and cars and badge engineering. As this episode airs right after Rolex, there's going to be a whole bunch of hubbaloo about the new cars and the LMDH and the prototype classes. And we're going to cover that next month as part of February's drive through But there's been a lot of testing over the winter months at Daytona and other tracks. And we've got a couple of videos 
in the show notes, one from Acura with a new LMDH car and one from Cadillac with a full technical review with one of the authors from racer.com. The reason I'm bringing both of these up at the same time is there's actually a third car that's very similar to both of those. And that's the BMW that we talked about last time, because at the end of the day, they're all Delaras underneath with different skin on them and their own unique engine packages. If you want to check out those tests, you want to check out those reviews of the new LMDH cars, if you don't have the time to follow Rolex. But Brad, speaking of that, we've got a teaser for Lost and Found. Yeah, so I just got on my soapbox about forty-five dollars and $70,000 cars and who can afford this and all that. For those people that can afford those, for a little bit more, you can pick up an Acura ARX05 DPI race car, the Konica Minolta Acura car from previous seasons. My guess is it recently ran in December. You can pick this up on Bring a Trailer right now. The current bid is $563,000. That's a steal. Is that Montoya's car? Uh, It's the number seven. It might be. Either way. I mean, shoot. 500 grand for a DPI car? Yeah. And you can go run that in... HPDE. (laughs) (laughs) You can go run it with Morgan Performance Group over in their prototype celebration class and stuff. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But for $563,000, I would want to take out a 30-year loan. Oh, yeah. It's a mortgage. I'll do a a 5-1 arm for my Acura race car. Can can I get an FHA loan for that or what? (laughs) You you can get a VA. (laughs) (laughs) Since we stumbled backwards into Lost and Found, what else is going on? Before we get into this article, I did search. I scoured the interwebs, mainly cars.com, for new vehicles, vehicles that they have listed as new. Looked for the oldest models for sale. There are two here. Let me guess. That Cadillac and the GT40 that have been on there for like a year. Before I get to them, (laughs) there are two Brand new 1965 AC Shelby Cobra Mark Threes. Ooh. And I say 1965 AC Shelby Cobra Mark Threes. They're not actually Shelby Cobras. They're kit cars. Oh, okay. But as you mentioned, the 1988 Cadillac DeVille base model is still out there looking for its bright and shiny owner. 17988 at Gray Chevrolet. You can't buy a brand new Ford GT anymore because we, we've already discussed that those are discontinued. So what can you do? You can go on down to Lewisburg Ford and get yourself a 2005 Ford GT base yellow with black stripes for the cool price of $450,000. And then add another $450,000 so you can go 300 miles an hour. How many Dodge Darts? Uh, zero. Sadly, I do not see any. Oh, there's a Chrysler 200. So it's close enough to a Dodge Dart. Boom, found it. 2015 Chrysler 200, brand new, 16995 Get on down to Santa Monica Chrysler. But if you've got 160,000 ducats sitting in your bank account and you don't know what to do with them or you're just an idiot, you could buy a Dodge Viper stretch limo. <laughs> a what? I suspect the person that made this vehicle or the group that made this vehicle saw the Top Gear episode where they created the limousines. No. And they really, really enjoyed Richard Hammond's sport limo. No. So they made themselves a Dodge Viper RT10 stretch limo. Did we go to Florida Man already? That's terrible. Does it have a hot tub in the middle? Because it looks like it should have one. It does not have a hot tub in the middle. It also does not have the pull string with the little cart to get you to move between the front and the back. 
the dumb waiter. Yeah, <laughs> the dumb waiter. <laughs> this thing is so terrible. I'm nominating it for our uncool wall, and we'll see what people think. No, 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 no. This thing is so terrible. I'm nominating it as our contender for what should I buy Andrew Bank? <laughs> because he did just sell his C8 Corvette. So he's what? in the market. He had it all of three minutes. I mean, come on. That's a story for another episode. Yes. There's something else on this list. We talked about towing and what we can tow with and upgrading our tow rigs and 1,200 foot-pounds of torque. So this one actually caught my eye because this is something I've actually thought about doing. I would never do it because I'm not a moron, but I have thought about it. And that is turn my regular pickup truck into a dually now, this person took a GMC Canyon, that's right, folks, that's the smaller of the pickup trucks, and went ahead and just turned it into a dually. But he didn't add upgraded axles or anything like that. He literally just added wheel adapters, eight lug adapters, and some wheels from eBay. Oh, okay. Then he bolted on some vendors and stuff like that. So it's dually conversion-ish. It's a dually light. So he has worse performance because now he's got... Two extra rotating masses creating drag. Well, yeah, and you say worse performance. This is already an anemic 2.5 liter four-cylinder with a whopping 200 horsepower and 190 foot-pound torque. This guy can't tow 400 pounds, let alone 40,000 pounds. I was under the naive assumption that someone would do this properly and that sounded like a lot of work like people that take front or rear wheel drives and turn them into all-wheel drives it's like why wouldn't you just buy the all-wheel drive version why wouldn't you just buy a dually truck did you not read the title of this article no i didn't i was just listening it says for our audience that may not read it either because it's really not worth your time this homemade gmc canyon dually wasn't a great idea so now it's for sale there are some homegrown people that that know how to fabricate and do things to tanya's point there have been people that have done this to ford rangers and to chevy suburbans and i've seen it on tahoes and things like that it's been done before properly this is just total ass yeah this person cut a lot of corners he didn't upgrade the axles like he should have i don't even know what the equivalent of this is he just strapped on two extra wheels and and glued on some fenders but to brad's point none of this matters even if he did it correctly you know 73 bolt rear end and blah 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 and nine thousand pound you know leaf springs and all this stuff it could still only tow two bags of mulch because it's pathetic well (laughs) that's my point like why would you go through the trouble and not just go buy a dually if you want a dually. I believe the word that Don Weberg likes to use on what should I buy is <clears throat> poser. Oh, yeah. That's, yes. that's, this yes. fits correctly. Shocker. In the ad, it says that the truck vibrates at speed. But <laughs> it also says that the truck vibrated before the conversion. So it's not the conversion's fault. <laughs> that's because it had the Chevy shimmy up front. And now it's got the dually wobble in the back. <laughs> Dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Guys, like what? What? <laughs> Let me see that thought. Since we've been talking about what should I buy, is kind of throughout this episode as well, along with CES and all those other things. I got to tip my hat to Mark Shank. He is a soothsayer. That man is a prophet because <laughs> a new article came out from CNN that states. Why some cars from the 90s are soaring in value. 
And why is that? Because those of us, as Mark likes to say, at peak earning potential, go back to the cars of our youth, which would be the 90s. And we're looking to buy, restore, and do things with these wonderful pieces of 90s engineering. (laughs) Now, I will say I've seen some really cool stuff lately where people are spending money on third gen Supras from the late 80s, early 90s, doing some wide body stuff reminiscent of that Hyundai we were talking about. I think that is super cool. But that's our generation looking at those cars going, it's time to buy the cars we couldn't afford then. We were too young, weren't driving, whatever. But now before they get too expensive, invest in those. So I think Mark's right, but you got to pick the right car, just like we talked about on the 90s, What Should I Buy episode. I missed my chance because the Eagle Talon has increased 45% in value. So now I can't buy one because it costs $4,000 instead of like... Get it while it's hot. I guess we would be remiss. Is it that time again already? I mean, we've been on break. Is there Tesla news? Yeah, I mean, there's like a little bit of Tesla news, I guess. Just a little bit, huh? Some news from the UK over the Christmas time holiday. People were upset. There was apparently chaos at some sort of Tesla charging station. Dozens of electric vehicles forced to wait in three-hour queues at charge stations across the UK. Can I quote Brad on this one? Please. Uh, (laughs) Dodoy. Well, you know, and that's the first reaction. Well, like, duh, it's like, was it like super cold and, you know, batteries hate the cold? Uh, uh, uh. No one ever thought of that, right? Except apparently, I don't know, there's a little bit more to the story. I don't know what massive road closures were happening. There was like funneling people all down back roads. And it sounded like there was also an abnormally higher volume of people going to these stations than normal. And yes, they were waiting three hours in line because there were just so many people backed up. And it's not like a gas station where, oh, okay, after five minutes, I'm full and I go. It's obviously a lot longer than that. As also the component that the chargers were charging slower given the colder temperatures is anyone surprised that batteries don't like the cold (laughs) no but the electrons if anything i guess it shows there's more tesla owners than infrastructure that meets that volume and so they're gonna have to increase tesla stations i don't know well i mean that goes along with that guy who was complaining about the ev that he bought and he's charging in a 110 and he realized it was going to take a week to charge it let me rig up some nine volts string them together and try to turn my blow dryer on okay like (laughs) (laughs) drive my hair faster just ladies and gentlemen (laughs) eric is officially dying Brad's just like, can uh, we keep going? (laughs) So in other Tesla news, a couple months ago, there was a headline from Reuters. Exclusive. Tesla faces U.S. criminal probe over self-driving claims. Yes. And, you know, that's been brewing for a while. States like California are really getting under the gun. They do not like the false advertisement of fully autonomous Tesla vehicles, which is not true. We've talked about this over and over again at nauseum. Essentially, the U.S. Department of Justice has launched a probe at the time of this article into the claims that were made back in 2016 in marketing promotional material that touted the uh, the autopilot 
capabilities and quote unquote, it drives itself and blah, blah, blah. And they had this whole route through wherever in California, Menlo Park to somewhere or something like that. They had the person in the car and, oh, but the person's just there because they have to be there. The car is driving itself. You know, this was a couple months ago and the article's going on, all these probes, all this stuff. Well, fast forward to present day from that article. And two days ago, an article was released regarding that 2016 promotional information video touting the autopilot, the headline being, quote, Tesla staged 2016 self-driving demo, according to the senior autopilot engineer. Nice. Eric, what do I use? What do I say? Uh, doy. So now the guy who apparently was involved in that whole thing has gone into the courts and said, no, in fact, I guess he did it, whoever. Someone actually pre-programmed the car to go on its little journey. So no, it was not self-driving. And I also saw something to say that on one of the attempts, the thing crashed (laughs) like into a fence or something. So here's what we're going to do. All right, fans of the show, we're going to start trending a new hashtag because I think it's justified in this case. Hashtag Teslagate. Because that's what this is. And this is retribution for all the diesel bullcrap we went through. Teslagate. Hashtag Teslagate. You better trend that hashtag. Put it out there. We'll see what happens. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds out of this. Because those are big allegations for someone to come forward. And all this time, it self-drives. You can sit in the back seat and watch yourself wrap around a Texas tree. Lies. Blah, blah, blah. And now, oh, yeah, it, it was it was fake. It was really just intended to show you what we could do. What you could do? What you could do is use a computer program to program a remote control car. That didn't prove anything. But they got all the other manufacturers into a tizzy up off their butts trying to design all sorts of systems that also don't work. But all the other manufacturers have good legal teams and they've never claimed to be fully autonomous, self-driving, go recline your seat, take a nap, and then have your Tesla drive underneath the semi-truck. Well, continuing on hashtag Teslagate. There's also news regarding the Gigafactory that they built in Texas where... There have been complaints filed to the Federal Department of Labor alleging wage theft and falsified safety training documents, basically fake OSHA certificates to construction workers who were building that plant. (laughs) The the hole keeps getting deeper. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see kind of how all these scandals, if you will, are going to start to unfold. But I guess on the bright side, there was a post from some sort of fan group Well, Brad is super excited about this one because he might not have wasted his Dogecoin. The quote unquote of this posting, Tesla Cybertruck design is ready. Production may start in mid-2023, according to the chief designer. Can you repeat that? Tesla Cybertruck design is ready. Production may start. Wait, stop, stop right there. Back, back up. Zip, 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 zip it. Production may. Oh, stop there. What, what was that word? Production may. Oh, 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 okay. So 2033. All right, cool. Got it. So TBD. So you got that $100 deposit. You might be able to use it. Lies. <laughs> Looking forward to my new Cybertruck. You have thoroughly lowered my expectations. Brad doesn't sing anymore. It's 2023. He's like, oh. we're done with that bit. New New Year, new me. No. Lowered expectations. I don't even know what to think about this because I have a problem with most YouTube car reviews, hence why I don't do them. But a YouTuber wrecked a brand new GMC Hummer EV after just nine miles. 
I mean, you're an asshat. Good for you. Did it for the views. And I saw one of these. They had one at CES. They're quite large. But are the grills as big as a BMW? No, despite this thing being the size of like three stories of a building. No, they were proportional. (laughs) I love this article. I mean, what kind of an asshat are you? Well, if you watch this, it's insane because basically it's your typical YouTube review video where it's like, oh man, dude, let's talk about all my car care products. Talk about the car for three seconds. Oh, car care products, flamethrower, blah, 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 craziness. Here's my buddies. Let's do some Hoonigan crap, right? And you're like, okay. Fine. So he's doing zero to 60 launches to see if he can get the three second time or whatever, the Watts to freedom acceleration mode or whatever, you know, ludicrous mode that they all have. And then decides at the five minute mark to go down a gravel road with a bunch of dips and jumps and whatever. And basically face plants the Hummer in a rut and destroys it. But he does this with passengers. Yeah. What it did for me was not really critique his ability as a driver or as a YouTuber or just anything. What it did was it brought into question all the reviews and speculation about the competency of the Hummer as an off-road vehicle. Because if it can't withstand a jump at 50 miles an hour. I like that the camera cut out. So you didn't, or he cut out maybe in the video. You can't even see like the crash just like goes black. (laughs) You're never going 50, 60 miles an hour off-roading. This isn't the Dakar rally. Yeah. What What else would you use this for? Baja, come on now. Trophy trucks. No, and then you, those idiots that bought the first Raptors did the same thing. They went off-roading and then cracked the frame. You're morons. You, you don't just go out in a regular production vehicle, start thinking that you're Ken Block and Dakar rally. No, that's not how this works. What these vehicles are actually made for. Well, the Raptor was marketed as that, so shame on Ford. But this wasn't marketed as something like that. This was marketed as like an off-roader, like the Wrangler or the Bronco. No, this was marketed with cartoon crabs and LeBron James, so whatever. It's a 9,000 plus, almost, they say weighs 9,000. This thing weighs closer to 10,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight at 60 miles an hour to slam into something. Sorry, yeah. I doubt it's designed to sustain no. that impact. No, it's designed for slow off-roading. Slow rock crawling. You're yeah. you're going through the valleys just kind of rolling. Not like I'm yeah, not like you said, I'm not on Dakar with reinforced suspension. Like this guy's an asshat. This guy is an asshat. He deserves it. He wrecked his car. Did it for the views. I must drive flat out. What do you tell your insurance company? You don't because he's a YouTuber and they probably gave him the vehicle anyway. So he doesn't actually own it. So it's on loan from GM and now they got to deal with it. No, no way. No way. GM's legal team is like, yeah, this is a great idea. Take it and just like crash it. That shows how great our vehicle is to your point of people who would think like, oh, it should be indestructible. It's a Hummer. Well, Speaking of cars jumping and not falling apart, we've talked in the past about movies like Gone in 60 Seconds, The Seven Ups and others, but there's also another famous movie with a car jumping through San Francisco. I'm hearing that it's about to be rebooted. Is that Bullet? That is Bullet. Steven Spielberg is working with Bradley Cooper in a direct reboot of the Steve McQueen classic Bullet. I just don't know what to say. Why we need to do this is beyond me. Why not? Because the movie is so old that the new generation has never seen it. So it's a totally new movie to them. I don't know anybody that's actually seen the full movie. Anytime you talk to anybody, they've only talked about the car chase. 
So why not just recreate the car chase? Why do you have to recreate the whole movie? Because the rest of the movie I've heard is trash. But isn't that just become like those John Woo web shorts from like back in the day? What's wrong with them? I they were great. They were... That's what I'm saying. But they were like a car chase scene and they were over. Yeah. Well, redo those. Or just, uh, just do something like that. Well, speaking of a blast from the past, like you're talking about, I mean, again, I don't see why you can't just go on any of the streaming services and watch Bullet. I mean, it's there. It's readily available in every catalog. Save yourself the trouble and just watch the chase. <laughs> Maybe they could make the movie better because the movies of those eras... Was there dialogue in that movie? No, that's what made it fantastic. Movies with talking and cars are crap. You want movies of cars. Or movies of talking cars. So you want to watch a race. Yes, yes. But, not a, but not a race. I don't want to watch Le Mans. You want to you watch Le Mans. You want to watch the Daytona Rolex. Exactly that. The movie Le Mans, McQueen's Le Mans, for any normal human, it is three hours of absolute grueling medieval torture. But for those of us that are petrol heads and enthusiasts, it's the greatest film of all time. There's about six minutes of dialogue. Do you think that the current generation of young folk would have the attention span to sit through a silent movie? It's not silent. It's not. It's full of Ferrari and Porsche. Yeah, no no dialogue doesn't mean silent. Yeah, but if I strap them down clockwork orange style... Another movie that they've never watched. They have no idea of any Kubrick movies, too, I'm sure. But, you know, whatever. But speaking of blasts from the past, I don't know that any of us have ever proposed this question before, except for maybe in Forza, where Brad drives a Doshevo that's highly modified just to piss us all off. But somebody brought your fantasy Citroën to reality and took a BMW Motorrad motorcycle engine and powers his 2CV and then takes it to the track. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So this is a motorcycle engine in a Doshevo. Yep. I want to say he's hauling ass, but he's also not catching up to like, what is this? This is like a Ford Escort, but not the good one. Oh, did you see the stat? Zero to 60, under nine seconds. It's pretty good. For a Doshevo, that is fast. Oh, here we go. He's coming up on an E36. Bitch, get out of my way. Get out the way. Get out the way. Oh, he can't. He can't. Oh, he can't. The E36 can't get away. Oh, he's out breaking him. Son of a bitch. This is epically good. Oh my god! <laughs> I finally got to the outside view. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, that's epically good. Seeing it not from the cockpit, from the third party angle, that makes it all worth it. Like he's running down on that Miata, outbreaks it too. Shit, it's almost on three wheeling. I feel like I'm watching a seventies like French getaway movie. Look at it all on the inside line around that Renault Cabrio. Oh man, there's two people in that thing. He needs the ballast. Or right beyond the door handle. <gasps> wow, that rear end drift. He almost like clipped that launcher, I think. It's very wow. That's anyway, impressive. we'll leave it to our listeners' imaginations nice. or they can check it out in our show notes. But I thought that was a gem that I needed to share this month. So it's good stuff. Speaking of gems and sharing and maybe sharing too much. Amazon is reportedly likely to drop Jeremy Clarkson in response to some stupid asinine comment he made about Angela Merkel again. So wait, 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 about about who? Isn't it what's her face? The German Chancellor, right? No, no, no. Meghan Markle is is Prince Harry's or former Prince Harry's wife, the actress from Suits. <laughs> Not Angela Merkel. <laughs> And that's Angela Merkel, isn't it? Merkel, Merkel. thank you. Angela Merkel. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever. It doesn't matter if he 
made a comment about the deceased Pope or the astronauts. It, it, it's all, it doesn't matter. Jeremy Clarkson is who he is. But my point is this. I don't know when the last time you guys watched a grand tour or one of the movies or whatever. I do love old Top Gear, but even those are getting harder to watch because, you know, you've just been along the ride for 20 years. Is it to get attention because nobody cares anymore? Are Clarkson, Hammond, and May even relevant anymore? I mean, May is being successful doing his other shows. You know, but he always has. Like that. Richard Hammond is, I don't know. I watched half of the last Grand Tour with the, the Subaru and the Evo and whatever. Oh, the Scandi Flick or whatever it was called, which I haven't even yeah, watched. Yeah, the Scandinavian it. Flick. Yeah, I, I saw half of it and I haven't gone back to it. Because it's it's more of the same just shit. It's it's the same stuff over and over again. Like Top Gear was perfect as it was for a long, long time. And they had to ruin it. But even before they were kicked off Top Gear, it had started just becoming more and more of the same. And the Grand yeah. Tour, it has not lived up to the hype and what Top Gear was. So they like Top Gear is one of those things I think it's just it was great when it was, but it's time to kind of move on. Yeah. And yeah, the adventures that they went on on Top Gear were really original. Like, you know, when they went to Bolivia and the North Pole and all that kind of thing. But then it's like they just tried to replicate and replicate, replicate. And then it got old because we all knew what to expect, you know? So, yeah, yeah exactly. I feel you. But you know what's going to be even worse than this? And I don't understand why this is even a thing or why somebody's spending money on this. Please. Tell me why they want to make a Gran Turismo movie. Because movies based on video games are highly successful. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Look at all the Doom movies. <laughs> Resident Evil movies. That You know, they say that The Last of Us is breaking that trend, maybe. It's also not a movie. It, no, it's a show now or whatever on HBO. Yeah, that's true. You're right. It's, it's not a, a movie. Series. It's a series. That's it. We need a Gran Turismo series. Problem solved. It's called Drive to Survive. But, here, but here's here's the thing. The Last of Us, if you played the game... like It's like playing a movie? I don't know. Yes, they're redoing the footage that they already created for the game. This is as dumb as the Need for Speed movie, and I never saw it. Oh, that was horrible. I watched it. It was really bad. What kills me about this is the new grid that had come out, Grid Legends. There's a whole cinematic in the career mode that's actually quite good they use real actors and they try to set up the drama of the whole thing or whatever i enjoyed that it's probably two hours long but do i really want that to go to pay for that in movie theater now if you want to see the cinematics and the gameplay of career mode by the way it's on our youtube channel because i, I live streamed all of it so it's all sitting there in the vault they did a good job but gran turismo the movie there's no story in gran turismo so i don't understand what they're doing it just doesn't make sense it's a fast and the furious movie but it's stupid with a different theme but it's stupid i'm not saying it's not i apologize for sounding like i'm justifying it but and, and maybe it's not what we think it is i originally thought oh this could be cool this could be like a documentary kind of about how they had the gran turismo tournaments and stuff and they actually found drivers tried to give them racing careers i, yeah. I would watch something like that that could be interesting. I'll give you that. But if this is some over-dramatized Hollywood bullshit based on the video game, which you're right, has no plot and no story. You're not running over pimps and hoes in that. I want to know, is the Escudo Pikes Peak or whatever car, is that going to be in it? That should be in it. That would be amazing. 
That'd be the yeah. only reason to watch it. If it was live video of that car. Yes. Well, we got to move to rich people. Thanks. Something super cool. Probably costs more than the real thing. Somebody built a working life-size Lego Chevy V8 454 big block. What's it run on? Uh, it runs on Legos. <laughs> is it electric? I don't know. It is running. They have it all moving. It's Use that little electric brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very big, though. I think it's a little AC motor or whatever. But yeah, the whole thing spins. It works. The valve train, the cams, all of it. It's got square pistons, which are kind of hilarious. It's a life-size Lego Chevy 454 big block. It's pretty cool. Why don't they put this in the E-Ray? Right? (laughs) But now it's time we go south and talk about alligators and bear. Oh, we're not only going south, we're going Midwest. <laughs> yes, there's some nuggets in here. We're going to start across the pond, actually. We're going to go to Germany. Uh-oh. A driver in Germany apparently had his license taken away. He was driving a Tesla on the Audubon at 70 miles an hour, which on the Audubon, that's that's nothing. That's I mean, slow. That's, that's, yeah, that's a Sunday drive. The kicker here, though, was that it took 15 minutes for him to pull the vehicle over with the cops around him because he had reclined the seats, tricked the autopilot with a weight on the steering wheel and was sleeping. I was just about to say, there's no way this story is false because he wasn't driving his Tesla. Tesla drives itself. Was it bouncing off of the other police cars? You know what? Given all of the incidents where the Teslas have gotten confused with flashing emergency vehicle and police vehicle lights, it's a wonder it didn't crash. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to come back over to the States and we're going to go to the Midwest, to OIO, where from the video footage, kind of funny. Thankfully, they weren't hurt. But apparently some youths, 16, 17-year-olds, tried to dine and dash from an Ohio Buffalo Wild Wings. And somehow, one of the Buffalo Wild Wing employees ended up on the hood of this BMW as they're speeding away and then eventually crash into like a snowbank. Is this an Ohio <laughs> thing? I mean, it's comical from the video. Like, luckily, that guy's not hurt. But also, it didn't explain how that guy got on the hood. He jumped or was they attempted to run over him, one or the other, right? I'm thinking probably the run over and he had no choice but to <laughs> strap on and why does this look like the mall scene from back to the future right does, totally right? expecting a vanigan to run out and you know like some terrorists or something like what is this i'll tell you what if i was employed by a buffalo wild wings i would tell them in the interview process if someone dines and dash you can go get your own money i'm not jumping on the hood of a car to get your money for a 30 dollar check you can kiss yeah. my ass yeah yeah pretty much all right that was the ohio man Ohio people. Apparently, in certain areas in Florida, you are prohibited from parking your pickup truck in your driveway. Maybe if you've got extended cab, big horn, King's Ranch, Quadruli, whatever <laughs> that's like larger than your driveway sticks out into the street, I could maybe understand. However, this person has a Rivian. Like, that's a little baby pickup truck. And it's so cute. And he's not allowed to park it in the driveway? 
I think he needs to move. This is not exclusive to Florida either. People that live in Maryland are probably very familiar. Montgomery Village has very similar HOA laws where basically anybody with a pickup truck, you're not allowed to have it parked in your driveway overnight. You have to park it on the street because it's considered, uh, it's seen as like a contractor vehicle. And they don't want that type of image in their town. How is the image not there if it's parked in front of my house? Looking like it's someone who doesn't belong there and is there to service my house. Usually if somebody's there to service your house, they're not going to be spending the night. So the truck's not going to be there overnight. You can have it in your driveway during the day, but it cannot be there overnight. But I can park my personal vehicle in front of my property overnight. Not according to the HOA. So then where the hell do I park my car? There are streets designated for parking trucks. This is why HOAs suck, period. Now, I think an argument could be made that a Rivian is not decreasing the aesthetic appeal of a neighborhood. But no pickup truck. It's it's black and white pickup truck. It's okay. Plain and simple. But whatever a quadruly is. Yes. <laughs> That's the future. That's Tanya's truck when she designs one. That's what that Ford is called. The Ford F-350 quadruly. This is why I don't have a pickup truck yet, because they haven't built the pickup truck that I want. I don't just want two wheels on the back of each rear. I want four effing wheels. <laughs> eight wheels in the back. You want an eight-wheel Rivian. It's quadruly. You want four up front, four in the back. <laughs> that way it's business and business. It's none of this business and party nonsense. It's just... <laughs> I got a lot of mulch to hold, all right? I need my quad. <laughs> quad quadrawilio. That's the Alfa Romeo version. <laughs> the quadrawilio. <laughs> I will say that if I owned a $100,000 Rivian, I'd be parking it in my garage. <laughs> right? Well, how is she going to charge it? You're going to run an extension cord out to your pickup truck in your driveway? Let's go back. We're gonna go back in time. A little northwest here and go to Indiana. I don't oh. think we've heard from Indiana before. Nope. We should hear more from Indiana. Indiana man dressed as Pikachu ran from police on lawnmower. <laughs> Is he running or is he on the lawnmower? And you know, when you read the article, there are just puns. At this time, we believe Pikachu acted alone. No other Pokemon characters were involved in this incident <laughs> from the police department. However, we are not opposed to catching them all. The police officer wished he had a Pokeball in order to help him catch the wild Pikachu. The deputy oh attempted to pull the lawnmower over, but the man dressed as Pikachu responded with a shock by flipping off the deputy as he sped away best he could. Police said the, quote, pursuit of lawnmower Pikachu <laughs> went for a few blocks before the deputy broke off the chase due to the driving of the lawnmower becoming more erratic and dangerous, even at one point attempting to hit the deputy's vehicle. Which high school creative writing class was this submitted for? This article is awesome. It's got, it touches everything. There's drama. There's profanity. Intrigue. <laughs> there's intrigue. <laughs> so we need to hear more from the people of the great state of Indiana. They they got some winners there. So let's go back down to Florida. Now, I, I almost passed this one up because the headline said, Florida men arrested driving with, quote, stolen tag written on cardboard plate. And I just glossed over. It. I was like, okay, Florida men arrested driving with a stolen tag. Yeah, and big deal. No, no, no. You read on. <laughs> it was a piece of cardboard covering the license plate of this pickup truck. 
with the word stolen tag written on the cardboard. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This belongs in, what was that? Do they still do that? World's Dumbest Criminals or whatever that was? Stupidest Criminals file? Like, really? Why don't you just, like, spray paint on the side of the car, pull me over? And then the best part is, so they get pulled over, dash cam on the cop car is recording everything, everything, right? And there's two people in the car, so the guy trying to get his passenger falls out, (laughs) pop, onto the ground. Another day, wherever. Only in Florida. Them, them people in Florida, they be different. They just do things differently. I saved the best for last. Oh, boy. Okay, just listen. Don't click the link yet. Wait, it gets it gets better than this? No, no, don't click the link Is yet. Let me, let me take you on this journey. We go to Michigan. Here's the headline. Michigan man gets drunk watching owls, poops on his PT cruiser, tells nurses his blood is pure natural ice. <laughs> what? <laughs> I must pass this one up too. Oh. How many articles is this? I want to unpack this a little bit. So he was watching owls. So is the comma in the wrong place? Was he watching owls poop on his PT cruiser? <laughs> or was he pooping on his PT cruiser? As the officers were doing sobriety tests on the man, the natty ice apparently hit him pretty hard. And according to the report, he dropped his pants and began taking a dump on the bumper of his car. (laughs) (laughs) On the dumper of his car? He severely improved the aesthetic of the PT cruiser. so. (laughs) So when he got to the hospital... And the nurses were going to take blood for more of the sobriety test work. He told them, it's all beer. Not going to lie to you. Pure, natural ice. Pure, natty ice. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The bigger question is, how much natty bow do you have to drink to get that stupid? (laughs) I think if you're drinking natty bow, you started out stupid. You're in the Gordonek State Gamer area in Kalamazoo County, Michigan, with your PT cruiser, listening to owls with a couple cans of natty bows, natty eyes. <laughs> what the hell does the owls have to do? <laughs> he was in the. He was watching. Oh, oh, oh. He was watching owls. He was owl watching at night. Do you guys remember like season one drive through? There was a terrorist group out of Michigan that used PT Cruiser. <laughs> Do you think this guy belongs to that? He's the mastermind. I love the picture of the owl. That's like the headline picture. The owl is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> owls are always like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, but he just watched a grown ass man shit on his car. And he said to the owl, let me show you how it's done. <laughs> Here, hold my beer. <laughs> Wonder if that's what he said to the cops. Hold my beer a second. <laughs> I got to take a piss. The police asked him what scale he was, one to ten. He said, I'm at a five. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Natty Bo really get to you. Well, on that, it's time we go behind the pit wall. Talk about the sports news. I need more Florida, man. The winter break did not disappoint. It did not. But at least nobody was throwing turkeys in the pool or beating each other with Christmas trees. So, you know, hey, that said, 
in other interesting news, we talked about, you know, Bradley Cooper and Gran Turismo movies. And apparently, what is it, Malcolm in the Middle star or Frankie Muniz is now trading his TV career to become part of a NASCAR race team. And I don't think it's actually like NASCAR, NASCAR. I think it's like a smaller division of NASCAR. Yeah. But nonetheless. But he says, quote, finally making my dream a reality. Well, and he's been racing cars for a long time because he was doing like touring cars i thought for a while at one point i think he had a medical condition that stopped him from racing for a long time i mean good for him if he's over that and is able to get back into it he still looks like he's 15 years old (laughs) thousand percent on that one and you know if he made the money in hollywood to be able to do it and that's what he's always want to do i mean i'm not here to stop anybody i think that's awesome i mean good for him there's been plenty of other i mean look at dempsey right i mean he did his whole gray's anatomy thing and now he owns a porsche racing team so you know Anybody, if you got the passion, you got the ability, go for it. In the same family of people and same generation as the Ken Blocks and the Tony Hawks and whatnot, we have Travis Pastrana coming out of the motocross world. And now he's going to attempt to race the Daytona 500 here in February. Cool. Apparently, he tried to do it 10 years ago or so. It didn't really get anywhere. And nobody, I guess, was really paying attention or doesn't even remember. So it's, I guess, the 10th anniversary of that attempt. And so we're going to try again here in 2023. I'm declaring right now I'm going to try and run in the Daytona 500. Good for you. I will not be successful, but I'm going to try. You're going to run on foot? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's that's one way to do it. So we closed out the year with our Formula One retrospective, our crossover with Two Girls, One Formula. We even had a speech by Dr. James Miller about the evolution of Formula One in our Formula One celebration week. So you guys are our resident Formula One experts. It's been a couple of months. Why don't you get us caught up? Where are we at? How is the season looking? It looks great. Uh... (laughs) I mean, we already talked about all the driver changes and who's going to what teams and stuff like that. Of note, we will again not have a Chinese Grand Prix thanks to COVID. (laughs) Yeah, they already canceled that. Isn't that like four years in a row? It is four years in a row, actually. I mean, why even announce that? It's like, who cares? If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Well, they announced it a while ago, and now they've lifted all their restrictions on COVID, mostly. They've opened back up for travel, yada, yada. So I'm not sure why they would need to still have it be canceled. Unless they had like a five-year deal and they have to cancel it every year. They've been going back and forth with their COVID restrictions, and they had a spike and then it would go down and then they had another spike. And it's, I mean, it's been really inconsistent there. We're like, I think the rest of the world is kind of, I don't want to say put COVID behind us, but right. COVID's almost like an afterthought now in some places where I think China is still very much dealing with the repercussions of what happened. Yeah, of course. For anyone paying attention to the schedule, so just to highlight the testing starts in late February, and the first race in Bahrain is on March 3rd through 5th, qualifying practice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the interesting thing to note in tying back to the beginning of the show, being in Las Vegas, at one point ended up in an Uber, going around trying to go somewhere, passed by the future site of Formula One, It was all taped off, had the Formula One banners and everything. The Las Vegas race is supposed to debut this year. It is a late season race. It's the second to last, so it's November 16th, 18th. They better get working because that construction area 
Ain't nothing happening. No, not there. They're going to do like the Baltimore Grand Prix and throw up some Jersey walls and fence and say, here's a racetrack. Oh, I know. I'm sure. But they still have to build their facilities and whatever else grandstands here, there and paddock area, right? Where are the cars? They do pit stops in Formula One. They're just going to pull into the casino. Yeah. Oh, they're going to drive through the Venetian. Underground parking. Yeah. Well, they're going to drive through the, the, Tesla, take the Tesla tunnel. Oh, they should totally add that in. That would sound amazing. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. They would probably yeah, these go cars. deaf. Yeah, that's true. They don't sound that great. But since you're talking about Las Vegas, they said it's basically sold out. And if you want to get a spot, would you like to guess how much it costs? Got to be worse than Miami, I'm sure. They're saying seats at the win are currently going for $1 million. Uh, that's not, I mean, it's kind of accurate, but not entirely accurate. The win has put together a $1 million ticket package. You can still buy tickets for, for 500 bucks. No, not for $500. Cause those are all gone. You can still buy a ticket for less than a million dollars. Oh, there's a large range between $500 and a million dollars. I know. Cause I'm closer to the $500 range in my <laughs> bank account. I'm much further from the $1 million range. But the package is to include four nights in an encore three-bedroom duplex, a, a Jeroboam of Dom Perignon, exclusive access to opening ceremonies, dinner for six at Delilah, VIP access to exclusive win race week events, six win elite tickets to Awakening, golf spa treatments and salon reservations for six, even though, yeah, you can take up to five friends. Airport arrival and departure to and from the F1 paddock. My guess is they're going to use the Viper limo and then lifetime membership and private access. None of that seems like it adds up to a million dollars. Eric, I tend to agree with you. This looks like it should cost probably about $25, not $25,000 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I will say in terms of things being sold out immediately, if anybody was looking to go to France this year, you missed your opportunity in October. Le Mans is completely sold out. And they're releasing some weird VIP packages for folks trying to tantalize people to come to the race still. Because what they're left with is VIP packages for qualifying on Wednesday. Hmm. I'm like, I don't want to be VIP on Wednesday for qualifying. That seems just lame. So yeah, Le Mans is packed. It's going to be amazing. I'm very fortunate that, you know, I'm able to go super stoked, but racing this year, I think is going to be bigger than it's ever been. Just like Rolex, they said is the largest field in years. So here's one other F1 tidbit that just got announced today. So K-Mag was due to be at the Daytona race, racing in the MDK motorsport Porsche 911 GT3. And apparently he has had to pull out. So he won't be there. He had hand surgery and he's been advised to not participate in the race. In other Formula One news, there are rumors, some Instagram posts from Andretti Autosport teasing a potential entry into Formula One with Andretti, as we know, and we talked about most of last year, you know, is he going to buy Haas? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? But it's the other side of that coin that was a little bit puzzling to me. And they're looking to partner with Cadillac. I mean, we talked about Corvette building an SUV in a four-door. Why can't we have a Corvette formula car? Why Cadillac? Why is Cadillac the racing division of GM? Does that make any sense at all? 
I don't think it's what would be top of mind for most people. I mean, I know in the olden times, Cadillacs were raced and there's a whole kind of pedigree there. But the way Cadillac has evolved, the way it's perceived, to your point, I just, I don't get it. Maybe they're trying to go back to their roots. Meanwhile, the drama llamas are all excited. Drive to Survive Season 5 starts on February 24th on Netflix. I'm not going to watch it. New Year. You're missing out. Not going to happen. In other racing news listed under the category of, I didn't remember that this happened. I know that Codemasters bought Slightly Mad Studios, which means they had absorbed games like Project Cars into their catalog alongside titles like Dirt and Grid and all those, you know, Formula One and all that kind of stuff. And we were all kind of excited when Project Cars 3 came out. And then it was unfortunately a dud. Somewhere in the middle of COVID in 2021, EA purchased Codemasters. So now that they're under the design studios of EA, they like a lot of different companies in the tech industry right now. They're downsizing. You've heard about this at Microsoft. You've heard about this at Google. You've heard about this at Amazon, et cetera. EA is kind of scuttling redundant you know, developers and whatnot, and they're downsizing. And they've said along with that, certain titles are not going to be coming back. And that's going to include Project Cars. So I don't know necessarily if any of the Codemasters titles are going to get dropped because I feel like F1, Dirt, and Grid in some ways have been pretty popular. You know, they launched Grid Legends just after Project Cars, and I thought the new Grid was way better than Project Cars was. Curious to see what happens in the virtual side of the house. I'm still playing Assetto Corsa, Competizione, so whatever. I just don't want to pay $80 a game. That's what I'm worried about with EA, right? Upcoming local news and events brought to us by CollectorCarGuide.net, the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts. We have our first big field trip since COVID, thanks to our new Northeast Region Chief, Marissa Cannon. We'll be visiting the Simeone Foundation Museum on Saturday, February 25th. Details on our field trip and happy hour are available on club.gtmotorsports.org. So let's see what's coming up for late winter. The Best of Britain event celebrating 100 years of MG kicks off on February 11th through February 26th at the Simeone Foundation in Philadelphia. Brian Redman's Targa 66 event is scheduled for February 17th through the 19th. Spoiler, we plan to talk more about this event with James Redman in the near future. Motorama 2023 will be held at the Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on February 18th and 19th, one of the largest indoor shows and even includes indoor racing events. And if you live on the West Coast, the Zimmerman Automotive Driving Museum has announced their event schedule starting with Sunday Sweetheart Rides on February 12th and the Muscle Car Show on February 18th. And tons more events like this and all their details are available over at CollectorCarGuide.net. Thanks, Brad. Now it's time for the HPDJunkie.com trackside report. So let's talk about what's coming up here in early spring in our area. We got an announcement from our friends over at TrackShaker that a new racetrack is coming online in 2023. We get to welcome Flat Rock Raceway in Knoxville, Tennessee. Can we go? 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 Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? I, I think we should. I, there's no doubt that it'll be on the chin schedule almost immediately and then followed by just about everybody else. So Flat Rock Raceway seems to have taken place of the proposed Oak Ridge Raceway we had talked about about a year or two ago now. So looking at the aerial view of the track, looks pretty complex, nice twisty sections, some nice long straightaways. I'm really, really interested to check this out. 
They're talking about potentially using this for professional races like IndyCar and sports car. So we'll see where that ends up. It exists on Google Maps. Yeah, it is a real thing. News from Hooked on Driving Northeast. They announced two new events for their 2023 schedule after posting their original official schedule, and they're going to be held at Pitt Race. They're both in the fall, and we'll be talking about them again later in the season. But details for those events can be found right now at hookedondriving.com. I believe you can actually register for those events, even now many months in advance. Their first event of the season, however, kicks off at Virginia International Raceway on March 2nd and 3rd. Third. So we're looking forward to that and a hopefully favorable weather for that event as well. EMRA, the Eastern Motor Racing Association, has also announced their schedule that's posted up. You can find that on hpdjunkie.com and on collectorcardguide.net. And the Audi Club just released their track schedule on the 19th of January, and they announced that they're running five events, March 11 and 12 at Summit Point, Maine, April 3-4 at BIR. They're doing a high-performance driver's clinic on April 22nd at Summit Point, and then they're running an advanced only on Summit Point, Maine on September 25 and 26, and then they return for their fall finale, which we may join them for, at VIR on November 4th and 5th. I did speak with Dave Peters from HBD Junkie. He said the system is being loaded with events every day with an expected 2,000 plus listings for 2023. The database is completely dependent upon the organizers getting their data out into the wild and should be fully populated by the end of February. So all the usual suspects, be it Chin, HOD, and so on, have already published their schedules. And we'll be reporting on special events or schedule changes throughout the season. So stay tuned for more. And you can find that information on hpdjunkie.com. And there's also some exciting news for the folks that live in the Deep South, especially that are close enough to drive all the way out to New Orleans Motorsports Park, or NOLA for short. They've announced that there's some big racing leagues coming to their venue this year. People like World Racing League, SRO World Challenge, Pan America Superbike, two extreme monster trucks, and many, many others throughout the season. So we will post that schedule in the show notes as well. So if you live in that area or if you frequent NOLA, all sorts of really great stuff coming to that racetrack this year. In case you missed out, check out the other podcast episodes that aired this month. We closed out December with Formula One Week, which included three episodes, our drive through to survive 2022 retrospective, a lecture by Dr. James Miller on the evolution of Formula One, brought to us by the International Motor Racing Research Center and the Society of Automotive Historians, and our crossover with Kate Nicole from Two Girls, One Formula. January kicked off with Bill Warner's story about transitioning his career from mechanics gopher to photographer and writer for many major automotive magazines to the founder and operator of the Amelia Island Concours. We followed that up with a 40-second birthday celebration for Motor Week when host John Davis stopped by to share some memories. Elizabeth Blackstock from Jalopnik and A Girl's Guide to Cars shared her journey as a writer and talks about her new book co-written with with Alanis King about the 2019 Formula One rich energy scandal. Our panel of petrol heads returned for another What Should I Buy, this time covering Italian exotics. If you haven't checked it out, buckle up because there are some hilarious stories in that episode. As a bonus, we also re-released a Patreon-exclusive Pit Stop episode with Chris Bright from Collector Part Exchange called Romeo, Romeo, Wherefore Art Thou, Alpha Romeo? And lastly, we rounded out the month with former vice president of VP Racing Fuels, now author J.K. Kelly, and his new series of books, Deadly Driver, and the sequel, Spy Driver. 
thank you to all the guests that came on the show this month. Season three is almost over, wrapping up at the end of February, right before the racing season kicks off. So you've only got roughly 185 episodes to catch up on. Stay tuned for the next drive through as we kick off season four. We do have some new Patreons for the month of January, so we want to give some big shout-outs to our new supporters. GTMer Romano Conti coming out of New York. A shout-out to Team DNG for supporting us as well. And the friendly folks at the Green Grand Prix based out of Watkins Glen. Again, thank you all for your support. Every dollar helps keep the show on the road, and we couldn't do it without your support. And we have a couple other shout-outs. Marissa Cannon and Sean Roberts are celebrating their second anniversary with GTM and Mike Pepitone is celebrating three years. Also, if you'd like to become a member of GTM, be sure to check out the new clubhouse website at club.gtmotorsports.org to learn more. Special thanks. We did not have any guest hosts, so no special thanks to them. But if you would like to be a guest host, please be sure to reach out. We're always looking for new voices to take off some of the load from all the work that we have to do on the show. That's very true. And I want to give a special shout out to one of our latest recruits. We got Mike Carr coming on board Team Break Fix to head up our golden era of sports car racing, where we're going to be interviewing folks from IMSA, Trans Am, Camel GT, from the heyday of sports car racing, running from the 70s through the early 90s. That's really his passion. He loves talking to those folks. He knows a lot of folks. And so we look forward to more episodes with Mike and interviewing drivers and teams and so on from that era of racing. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't thank our co-host and executive producer, Tanya That's right, Brad. And remember, folks, for everything we talked about on this episode and more, be sure to check out the follow-on article and show notes available at gtmotorsports.org. And all the members who support GTM without you, none of this would be possible. Vegas! Vegas, baby! Vegas! Can I say deuces? Or is that a weird Florida man reference. So that's what the PT Cruiser guy said. No, that's a Michigan man reference. Oh, the Michigan man, yes. The, the Michi- Michigan militia. <laughs> and with that kind of motivation. You can feel my enthusiasm. Another successful drive. Peace! Well, here we are in the drive through line. Me and her. Cars in front of us, cars in back of us, all just waiting to order. There's some idiot in a Volvo with his bright sun behind me. I lean out the window and scream, hey, what you trying to do, blind me? My wife says maybe we should talk. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gummy Bears, and Monster. 
Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.